begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is I, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, joined by the usual crew of Milton and Ben. This is episode number 71 of the Outer Rim Transmission Podcast, where we talk about the latest in Star Wars news, discussions, and more. This week, we have two weeks of news to catch up on. Luckily, there hasn't been a whole lot, but I'm excited because there's a lot of publishing news from new comics that have been announced to new books that tie into upcoming video games, plus another Star Wars movie coming back to the theaters for a limited time. We're going to get into all of that, and our main topic for tonight will be our favorite ships and vehicles in a galaxy far, far away. And as always, we're going to get you know the icebreaker started, what we did in Star Wars this week, throwing it right over to Milton for this week first. Hey, how you guys doing this week? Pretty good, pretty good. good you know, it's good. nice and cool now, so this is the kind of summer I like as we're getting into the end of August, or really, like, yeah, so. Right. Um, yeah, I feel you. I mean, the weather has the weather has been changing, so that's a good thing. Um, my week in Star Wars, so it wasn't really impactful, I guess, you know, per se, about what I would normally do. I haven't really found any video games or nothing like that recently. I need to get back on track. When I have the time, just, you know, the real life gets in the way. But actually, it happened today at work. Um, one of our new workers walked into my office. And as you can see, this background I have here on the podcast is of Goku with the Kamehameha Blast going up against the Death Star um, Death Beam. I have this particular painting in my office framed as well. And uh, she looked at it and she's like, man, I cannot figure out the type of person you are because you wear like Jordans, you wear like really nice dress clothes when you're here throughout the week. But then you have like, you know, a Boba Fett helmet, uh, a Star Wars poster, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, well, I'm just a person of many talents, you know, um, but we, we talked Star Wars for a couple minutes. So it was cool to see like someone trying to like figure out my type of person or personality that I have by looking at like the way I dress, but also like the stuff that I have in my office, pretty much the back of my office is like a freaking toy store. Pretty much. It's, I think it's kind of funny, but we did talk star Wars because of that little icebreaker that we had by meeting this person this week. So, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's, you know, that's some of the best ways I, I feel like in my opinion, like, you know, just breaking the ice with people and especially when it comes to, um, you know, like, like, I, not judging people, but I mean, like, you know, assessing people when you meet when you're meeting them, because like, you know, you see someone like you coming in who's like dressed up or wearing Jordans, like that sort of stuff, and then you have stuff like, you know, Dragon Ball and Star Wars in your <laughs> office and in your daily life. Like, it's it's an interesting, like you said, from their point of view, like if they're on the outside looking in, it's like. I wonder what this person's about. So like, let me like break the ice and be like, Hey, okay. So what, what, what's up with you? Are you, are you into like sports or nerdy right. stuff or what? Are you <laughs> well, no, it's, funny. Like, it's funny. Cause like, no. I, cause I have the, uh, do you guys remember the book, the glove of Darth Vader, right? It's, I think that's like yeah. one of the Jedi print series. Oh yeah. Yep. So I have like one of the pictures framed as well in my office. I need to, I'm really? going to put it up. Yeah. And, um, but I also have a Muhammad Ali picture. And then like a Tupac poster, like that's framed in my office. So it's like it's like I have the multitude of extremes mixed with a little bit of like professional wrestling stuff that I put in there too. Cause you know, like I can't help myself. I'm a huge nerd, even though I am a very mature, accomplished adult who owns his own home and you know, works and has multiple vehicles to in his name. 
I like to be a kid too at heart. So I think it's funny how when she was trying to make that assessment of like who I was as an adult, but also like what I'm all about outside of this place. I'm like, no, I'm very much mature and like to be serious, but Star Wars is pretty damn dope and being a nerd is pretty awesome too. So yeah, man, he's done it all. That's definitely great. He's got the home, he's got all the vehicles and he still manages to get on a podcast where we could talk Star Wars, man. (laughs) Going above and beyond and working out, putting the work in the gym, man. Like everybody should aspire to be Milton. I'm telling you, it's possible for for the nerds to overcome and, and, and really be right. successful out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm saying that nobody but, is a nerd, but like back in the right, day, right. it was a very derogatory thing. Like, okay, exactly. you're the nerd living and, in the basement. And that's, and you're, and, and that's you're what's not great doing about much with your life. You right, know? right, right. I, I agree with you because that's what's great about this is like, you know, all three of us here, we like fitness. We like to be healthy people for the most part and take care of ourselves. You look at 30 years ago, you know, nerds were perceived as like really like goofy you know, very intellectual type people that were like probably not the most fit, maybe the biggest kids or like the most skinny. You know, now it's like you got grown adults who look like freaking Dwayne The Rock Johnson wearing Star Wars T-shirts or like going to yeah. conventions. I'm sure you've seen these at the conventions. Mm-hmm. Well, at the last Star Wars celebration, Chris, you, you probably seen guys that were built like me there. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. You know, nerding out. And they're like, oh, dude, this is awesome. But I'll go work out for two hours, but I'm coming back here to watch Star Wars, you know, like. That's what's so great about this whole culture of fandom, just nerdum in general, but having Star Wars fans not be what you think they should look like. Everyone mm. can be a fan of this property. There you go. It's oh, for everybody. Yeah, for, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, it crosses over, like, so many, like, um, types of people, like, things like they like to do, all of that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, that was a big uh, thing, like, years ago. It was like, oh, the nerds weren't, like, into fitness or anything like that. And you know, now that's totally changed. Like you see a lot of like nerdy type people that are like into fitness and, uh, you know, it's, it's really good that, that like, I would say that stigma is going away and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, I mean like, you know, it's just a good variety and like good changeover. Heck yeah. So Ben, what about you? Tell me a little bit about your experience. Um, um, in terms of like the whole, um, like nerd fitness thing or, oh, or like star wars just, thing just star wars this week you know just yeah yeah oh yeah usual yeah. okay yeah yeah so like for me i really didn't have like anything like exciting in star wars this week other than seeing a few social media posts like you know just the casual interesting conversations with fans um um when in terms of like twitter discussions and social media discussions and youtube comments and that sort of stuff like those type of things are always interesting to get into just to see what people's perspectives are um and just uh just yeah you know it's just an interesting like evaluation i would say like in the fandom like looking at looking at um how people can be sometimes with certain things like because um i think i think milton even liked my tweet or saw my tweet um like to me you know you, you'll see star wars fans they'll go and post like a mega controversial opinion and then they'll shut the comments off it on Twitter. And it's like, wait a oh, second. If, yeah. you're, if, you're, if you're gonna put yourself out there like that, like you need to take the heat. Like, you know, it's a public place. So like, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like with fandom, um, you know, it's just like a whole you gotta like get in the whole open discussion thing versus like only like barricading yourself on one side. And like that was just kind of an observation throughout um through the week. I saw a few tweets go viral about that, and it's just like 
eh, I can do without that sort of stuff. I'd rather have more of an open discussion. And, you know, that's like what we always like to do on here on this podcast is like just have a open, broad discussion about our opinions. And if we agree with each other, we do. If we don't agree, that's cool, too. Like, that's that's the point of being a fan. Um, so, like, you know, that was just pretty much my weekend in Star Wars. Like, nothing too exciting. Nothing um, as even interesting as, like, Milton's story. Um, more just, uh, you know, social media observations. And then <laughs> other than that, my week has just been consumed by the new Madden game launching. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much been my week. Yeah, I know you're very much on that on that game is the way I would be for World of Warcraft expansion. By the way, we're supposed to get the yep. Dragon one at least sometime this year, um, which is oh, yeah. going to be amazing if it comes out because every other week it's like, not even every other, it's literally been every week. There's been a game delay, well, a massive game delay, where it's like, oh, back for 2023. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of World of Warcraft, that reminds me. So um, back to even Milton's story. One of our favorite actors, Henry Cavill. So he, he's a mega nerd. Oh, like, yeah. He's, he's, he, he literally, like, Dude. look at him. He's Superman. He's a successful actor. He's in great shape. And he builds his computers and stuff and plays World of Warcraft. Right. Like, he, he famously, like, told a story when he was getting casted to play um, Superman, he actually missed the first call when they when they called him to tell him he you know he got the he got the role. Um, he actually didn't pick his phone up because he was right in the middle of something in World of Warcraft and he just let his phone ring and you know just let it delay through and and then he called him back after he finished whatever mission he was on in World of Warcraft and that's how he like found out he got the Superman job. Right. Well, yeah. yeah and that that also reminds me of uh, what's his name who plays. Uh... Deathstroke, uh, Joe Manganiello, because he's a yeah. big. Oh yeah, like, Joe Man. Is yeah, he, he hosts and Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a big. So many of these that. actors, they're super, you know, in great shape, but they're big nerds. Like that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. like I was talking about, uh, you know, Sam for, who plays Darth Maul. Oh, yeah. Sam Whitworth. Sam Whitworth. Oh, yeah. Sam Whitworth. Oh, yeah. He, he yeah. paints miniatures. He plays video games. He has a Twitch channel. Like he's yeah. basically what we do. And he gets paid yep. a lot of money to be an actor. So there, right. there you go. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, really, really fun social observation, social media observation. So getting into my week of Star Wars, you guys might want to buckle up because I'm gonna be talking for a while here because <laughs> I've been letting stuff build up, guys. And I, I gotta let you know, I, I had one of those moments a couple weeks ago. I was cryptically teasing you guys about, oh my gosh, I got this, this cool stuff to show on our week in Star Wars coming up and. I got a little carried away, and I, I got involved with a new Star Wars toy line, and, and I think I'm good right now. I don't know if I'm going to need to buy anything right now, but I figured, eh, let me go around and hunt for some of these new Star Wars Micro Galaxy Squadron lines of ships. They are basically the analogous version of the old 90s Micro Machine action fleets. Uh, so I was mm -hmm. having a lot of fun picking these up, and... You know, I was getting, I was going to local Targets, local Walmarts, tracking them down because um, they're so new that they're not even really on Amazon yet. Um, so, for instance, that I have a whole video on these things I, I put up. Um, but, you know, you got your X-Wing. Like, I don't know if these look familiar, but it's like the same scale as like the old school little X-Wings. And you have your little pilot oh, guys. Nice. You have your little pilot guys you could, you know, take in. And you can mix and match them. Like, there's a little... Let me see if I can get the camera to actually, like, zoom in on them a little bit. They're so tiny. It's like the Polly Pockets of the Star Wars universe, oh, yeah. you know? They're yeah. so cool. So I have so many of these things. What, what's really neat about these is they have, like... It's 
they have like all the eras. Well, besides the sequel trilogy, which is interesting, they don't have anything with sequel trilogy out. It's all Clone Wars, original trilogy, and Mando stuff. Um, but they have, yeah, they have um, different classifications. So technically, what I was showing you was um, the Starfighter class. They have all different price points. You know, then this is technically like the light fighter class. You know, you got your, of course, you got to have your, your TIE fighter, right. right? And they're all cool because they have all like these little interactive, you know, you can interact with different things like lift up, take your guy out, you know, literally rip the, the wings off these things. Have have fun like little battle scenarios. Um, this is another, this is one's awesome. So this is your... I could take it off the. This is literally what I was. I was not expecting a ship like. Oh, okay. They're not the best build quality, but I will fix that later. Um, but there's that ship from. I think the the micro series. It definitely was in regular. Yeah, Clone yeah. Wars, isn't but, that uh? What's the name ship? Um. This is a size uh, Ventress. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, like that. That's another ship that you have a size Ventress. I was very yeah, that's awesome. excited for a um very obscure ship. This is this one's really cool. This is a Jedi Starfighter. This is another Starfighter class. It oh, comes with a little yeah, it comes with a little droid that you can pop in. You can pop out the little little R5 droid that oh, goes that's right sweet. in. Yeah, oh yeah, it's got like operational landing gear um, that go in, go out. It even has a hyperspace ring. Hold on one second. Yeah, uh, I won't show you that one because I, I forgot where I put it. But yeah, we got that one. Uh, and then, and then you even have like ground vehicles, which is really cool. So, uh, for instance, you have a little ATSC. Oh, nice. And that one's and that one's cool because its feet actually are articulated, so you can actually move. You know that. Oh, the whole that's cool. Thing comes up you can put your little little veers or not veers but your regular guy like the gun moves this this move you know the head actually moves this moves and then they have like these little mystery things so you get like a mystery box and there's like six or seven different ships you can get them and they have like little they have like the little um stands so i got a little darth maul that one's awesome i got of course i got the little biker Little biker sky, yeah. The guys come off there, so you can put them in other okay. ships and stuff. Uh, th this one's awesome. This is a chase variant. So all these ships, they have possibilities of getting a super rare one, and that goes for any of the other ones. So for for instance, I have on my hands something that's gonna be worth a lot of money in about five years, because I have found one of a five thousand quantity of one of these ships oh wow yeah oh, that's crazy yeah check this out it even it even like literally says oh wow how much was dang, that that's awesome this thing was only 16 bucks but it's probably going for at least like 200 on amazon right or oh, wow. ebay right now like because it's got the mandalorian luke skywalker you yeah, know that's awesome. That because usually, usually this X-wing comes with just the Rebel pilot, which I showed you before. 
but this is a one in five thousand. They have a one in fifteen thousand uh, Moff Gideon with his um, uh, his Tie Fighter, which I've been looking for. If I find that, I'll probably buy it honestly. But I'm not taking this one out of the box because this one's gonna be worth a lot of money. Someday. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, don't no, want to get just, that Lucy. Just, yeah, just wait until Mando. Just wait until Mando's last season. <laughs> but when, this when one is why I decided to buy all these things because this is freaking awesome. And it's the Millennium Falcon. You got oh, nice. sound effects. <laughs> it also is like the Chris like show and tell. You got you got a little That's gun turret. You can move around. You could you could take. Look, you got all the little people in there. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you got four people nice. you can fit in there. Then you could take the entire back off of this thing. It's the whole back. Like this reminds me of the old. Like the oh, old see, Kenner is, figure. Uh, yeah, the, the Kenner or like the um, ah, I know exactly what you're thinking of too. Because yeah, you could get a look inside of it. Is that so cool? Yeah. They even have a Dajaric table and everything in this. That is really sweet. And right. like, like you could put a guy in the gun turret, but it's like really annoying because there's like no easy way of doing it, and they fall out all the time. So I had mm -hmm. Han just like as being a gunner, but uh, yeah, it's really cool. You could you know you could hit this. Um, walkway to come down. It's very articulate, and, and the paint job for forty-four dollars. Like the paint job on this thing is amazing. Like the oh. amount of detail and everything that's in this. You could bring you can bring the um, the landing gear, the landing gear down. Yeah. So overall, I'm just very impressed with because uh, these are all relatively cheap. Like the X-wing is like fifteen bucks. The little mini boxes are like five or six bucks. So oh, that's not bad then. Yeah, I bought enough to just to kind of get an idea of how it is because that's why I like the reason why I really like this. Unlike, unlike a lot of other toy lines, like all this stuff is like very comparable in like actual sizes, like for the scale of like how the ships would be like, you know what I mean? It's like for yep. instance you got like your you got your X Wing, which is, you know, that's about how big an X Wing would be. I mean roughly I think the Millennium Falcon is sized down slightly. But compared to, like, another um, range of the different toys, it would be, like, way smaller. Like, I think the, the version of the 90s one was, like, way, way smaller than this. But, yeah, this is a pretty light but kind of hardy type of design. But, yeah, I'm really digging these. So, these are cool. Like, I, I almost had to, like, start putting stuff in storage to have these on display. Like, I literally, I have hit the breaking point where I have literally no more space on my shelves or That's anything great. else back here anymore. So... Yeah, that was that was fun getting back into it. And it was like going on toy hunts because, like I said, these lines are so new. They came out in August. Right. So a lot of stores don't even have them yet. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. I also picked up... Uh, this is a, this came out a while ago, and I've been meaning to pick it up. This is a um, little compendium thing of all of the... Oh. Volume 2. It's all... Not all of them. Oh, but wow. Like the, Star Wars Insider magazine. Oh, that's sweet. They they have different stories, and this has some Legends ones from like 2011. Um, first, like the one on the back here has an Obi Wan Kenobi story, which would fit into canon because it's an Obi Wan story that really works right now because it's like him like leaving Coruscant to go on a transport, and he finds like this person that's in need, and they run into trouble with clone troopers. And then he, he like, uses the Force real quick and, and, and gets out of there and goes to Tatooine. So, 
like really short, you know, stories, simple stories, but there are Legends ones in here, um, and there's also Canon ones in here that are more towards the back of the book. So I already picked up the first volume a couple months ago, so I'm, I'm working my way through this one. Uh, let's see, I picked up... I picked up this book. Boom. Death Troopers. This is the... Nice. The newer version, right? It's the Essential Legends con uh, collection. Right. So Incredible yeah, book. I, that's, that's pretty tight. Is it... You read... Any of you read this? I haven't read it. Oh, yeah. I've, I've read it, like, twice. It's only... It's so Two, small. Three, like, the probably. first... It's so thin. Like, I couldn't believe this was an adult book. It's only 240 pages oh, long. It's such a dang good book, though. Like, oh, it's... Okay. It's definitely... It probably my top five or six favorite star wars books like period um yeah that book it's it's so good because it's set around um i forget i think it's around the time of a new hope somewhere in that region but you know pretty much the crux of it is you have an abandoned uh star destroyer and then like a group um you have some people and uh you know they they end up landing there and then they find out these troopers like on board are not alive anymore, but they're still mm. roaming around the ship. And it's a, you know, it's kind of your zombie thing. And it is so, so good. Like it is by far <laughs> one of the best star Wars books I've, I've ever read pieces Whoa. of content in general. Like it's amazing. Um, and for anybody wanting to look it up after our stream, they actually have a book trailer for this book, by the way, out there from back really? in whatever year this came out. Yeah. All it is, it's a, it's like a little 10 second teaser thing. Um, and it's actually from the publisher, and it's like a stormtrooper, or it's like, you know, you have the camera zooming in, you see someone's back, and, like, the stormtrooper turns around, and it has, like, the hook in his <gasps> in his uh, eye thing, and, oh. you know, and it just cuts, and it's like death troopers, you know? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, put a, I'm gonna put a pin in that for uh, a few yep. more minutes from now, because uh, something connected to that is also recent in yep. the news, but... Um, yeah, I haven't actually read the trade paperback versions of any of the new books yet, or not new, the reprints, I'll call them, the Central Legends Condition. I have the Thrawn ones, but I, they're just collectibles. I just have them on the shelf just because the covers look cool. So that's the first one I'm actually going to read through, because the other ones I've been just listening on audiobooks, like you guys often do. So I've been, it's like, you know, I think this is the, a nice short book. I'll, I'll breeze through this in about a week um, and follow up with the... Uh, what I felt later on, and another one I got this. Now this is monumentous for a certain degree. Um, comic fans out there know that you know the, there's going to be Dark Horse published Star Wars stuff again. So this is technically the first thing published with Star Wars. Um, this is the Star Wars Rebels, also kind of like the thing I just was talking about, where they have like little uh, short stories in in the Star Wars Insider. Well, apparently these stories, which are being published by Dark Horse for the first time in the United States, the, there was a Star Wars Rebels magazine overseas that was published in mm. France, Germany, and England, okay. in Australia. And then there was, also, there was also a Star Wars Rebels animation. There was like four issues published in Germany. And each one of those issues of the magazines had a couple-page comic for Star Wars Rebels. So I've been I've been really enjoying my time reading through this. There's about I think like 50 stories in here because the artwork in this is freaking awesome. Like it, it's very oh, like yeah. Disney esque. It's like that Disney esque style of artistry here, but it fits with the Star Wars Rebels kind of um, vibe. 
And it kind of goes, it's really neat because the way Star Wars Rebels is set up is like, there's a lot of those one-off episodes. Whether you like them, whether you hate them, some people call them filler. Where it's like, oh, we're going to go get the fuel. Oh, we're going to go help these people out. Like, that's what all these stories are. Lando's puffer pigs. (laughs) And the funny thing is, I was flipping through this, and there's a Lando story in here with the Rebels again. Um, This is not an adaptation. These are all brand new stories. And it's neat because these are the stories and adventures of the Rebels crew that you wouldn't actually see on screen but you could totally understand like oh they're going here to do this in between these two episodes like it really and it goes chronologically too which is really neat because it makes references to things in the episodes and it's going through and i'm at the point where i'm like clearly i could tell they're in season two because like the rebel fleet is there ahsoka's there so there are these one-off adventures they don't connect with any of the other stories but it's pretty neat to see how we're getting like these interstitial kind of stories and it's nice that we're getting these stories that otherwise the americans couldn't get because they're overseas i mean you could probably get them on ebay or something from the magazines but it's nice having like a big hearty thick uh star wars comic book to just flip through on my breaks at work and stuff like that so i've been chipping away chipping away at that one so that that was a cool pickup but yeah the cool thing is like that is technically the first star horse published star wars thing um with Disney owning Star Wars, other than the Son of Darth, Son of Dathomir comic, which was technically the last thing that Dark Horse published before, like the canon wipe, it was like the only thing that survived, because it was like directly connected to like Clone Wars episodes that never came out or whatever. And then next week we actually have the first published new Dark Horse story with the Hyperspace Stories issue number one. So I'll be talking about that, but it's cool to see like the Dark Horse logo i can't be nostalgic for it because i wasn't one of those people that was like reading the dark horse comics um i i have like two issues of of random like a star wars republic with the arc trooper and maybe like one issue of dark for a dark uh, empire like that's like wrinkled up like crumbled up because i was like a kid and i didn't care about the the state (laughs) of the comic book you know so i got those two issues but it's gonna be cool to see the dark horse logo on on upcoming star wars comics so i'm I'm happy about that oh yeah Um, it's it's great that they're like back into the game and you know it's it's it is nice and nostalgic you know because like you know like you mentioned even though you weren't um you know hadn't been like weren't as connected to them like i really um liked a lot of their work back then and you know the fact that they're like back into it now is is great i mean it's always it's always good to like have people who have been with the property before like you know coming back yeah and and, you know dark forces has such a high pedigree like they have made those comics i think milton you might have read or something with like the legacy comics Mm -hmm. yep Yep. Okay, yeah, I know I know people freaking love those things. And Yeah, I mean, well, even with the the Dark well, Dark Empire series, you know, they they turn it into an audiobook. Yep. And oh. it's phenomenal. Yeah, I I have them. Like it's really really good. Damn. That's that's why like, you know, I think we did a podcast maybe last December or last winter time or whatever about what legends books we want to be, you know, audio dramatized or whatever or make legends or whatever or or canon. Like, I think, um, you know, anything that Dark Horse touches that's not audio version yet, whether it's comics or books, like, they, they need to make those into, like, those dramas. Into, like, they're so good. There's so much rich yeah. story told. You know, did they did they do Splinter of the Mind's Eye? 
was Dark Horse that particular? Oh man, I know, I, I know, I know. Uh, the one author wrote that book. Uh, what's his name? Because he did one of the sequel. Alan books. D. Foster. Yes, he did the Force Awakens, right? Yep. But was he was that Dark Horse backing that up? Well, that was a remember... book. But Wasn't even how the book? cover. It was a book, but I remember like the cover looking very like comic book ish. Oh. You know, hmm. and that's why I was thinking maybe they backed it because I know Dark Horse was like big back in like what the seventies and eighties when it comes to like comics and books. Yeah. So um, yeah, but yeah, I know no, I, I like a lot of stuff that they that they've done. Usually, I don't buy the actual hard copy. I just watch it on YouTube whenever people put the panels up. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And while rolling into our re- releases for this week, I already talked about the Star Wars Rebels compilation from Dark Horse. And, uh, well, we have what's going on. We have, oh, well, let me do a shout out for the chat really quick. We have Cowboy Kitten. Hello. And we have Aaron Daly. I used to have a copy of Death Troopers. Handed it to a friend and never got it back. Ooh. Well, that gives <laughs> you a reason to go out and get the new cover at least now. And the new trade paperback for him. So there you go. But... Uh, yeah, everybody that wants to chat, we always go live 9 o'clock Eastern. You can join in on a conversation like those two are doing right now. And you can listen to the podcast on any of your streaming services. There you go to listen to your podcast. And getting into this week's releases, we had the Mandalorian issue number two. This is purely for collector's purposes. This this issue or this series is basically shot for shot. Each issue completely matches up with each episode. But don't go in expecting any new interstitial shots or stories, which I was really hoping for because a couple of those adaptations, The Force Awakens being one of them, the Rogue One adaptation in comic book form, they all added like little character moments that you didn't see on screen that for me was like the real pull to be like, ooh, what's going to be in this one, right? Is it going to be Saul giving Jyn Erso the blaster and leaving her for dead and those cool things that we heard about but didn't see? But so far, this Mandalorian um, stuff is a letdown. Um, it's just literally like shot for shot, word for word, exactly what was happening. Don't get me wrong; like the, the artwork looks cool. I will say it's it's a collector item. Like I'm getting the covers just to have them for value's sake at this point. Right. Um, but I just hope that they don't make a season two worth of these because if they do, I might actually just pass on them. Because for me, I would just maybe get a graphic novel when they're already out. Um, if they come out with the second the second season, I like the idea of adapt you know adapting a TV series. They haven't done that yet, so you, you got to give it to them to at least try. But I don't think this is going to sell super well when people find out that there's literally nothing well, new in these. Well, you know, people when they expect adaptations, um, I always go back to the Revenge of the Sith adaptation. Like that one, there so was good. so much added, so much added to the movie that make. You know, it makes the movie a lot better, but that book is incredible. Um, and, like, you know, that, that I feel like, is such, like, a pillar of, like, the adaptations in terms of the books. Right. And, you know, you compare that to, like, say, the Mandel one. The Mandel one, it's easy because you just basically take... I mean, it's not easy. You know, of course, you have to make the artwork and stuff. But, you know, you just take all the lines and, you know, you it's word for word. So it's a lot more... Um, it's a lot less, I guess you would say like intensive compared to coming up with new little tidbits that fit the the story that's been told already. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think some of the best adaptations of the movies or even I'll say games too. I say obviously the revenge of the Sith is probably my 
favorite adaptation of the movies, and then it's uh, I'll you might you guys might be shocked when I say this, but the Force Awakens novelization is actually pretty good. Like I I like that novelization. Oh yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Um, so. Um, and then when it comes to the game adaptations, the um, Force Unleashed games, both both those books are amazing. Yep. The, know, oh, Republic people Commando. love those books. Yeah, yeah, and those oh. are written by. Well, well, I know Sean Williams did the Force Unleashed books, um, and then who did the Republic Commando one? Karen Travis. I don't remember. Karen Travis. Karen Travis. Yeah. Oh, and she's known for. All the stuff she's yep. done. So I mean, like anytime those particular. See, what's funny is think about it. all the the authors we mentioned are some of the best Star Wars writers when it comes to like books. Like they see how these people write some of the movies. Like it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, but it is what it is. But yeah, so the one I'm I want to talk about, and I, I was kind of freaking out a little bit earlier in the week. Because I was just talking about this the other day. It's like, we need that Death Star 2 content. Well, we finally got the Death Star 2 content in Star Wars issue number 26 this week. And um, it's cool to see the Rebels kind of on the up upswing here after the Empire Strikes Back. Now the Rebels are kind of striking back. They got their fleet together. They're all banded together, showing force to the galaxy that they're still around. They're fighting a good fight against the Empire. So we see Lando leading a charge in his Falcon. And he's going there with Red Squadron. So we got Red Squadron with Rogue Leader Wedge and Luke Skywalker's Red Five just blowing to bits all these walkers on this one planet on Unity Day, K Empire Day. And then we get this really cool storyline on Death Star 2 with Moff Gergeron. And at that time, we don't know it's Death Star 2 until the very last panel, basically, of the story. And it's technically called a Black Sight. It's called Black Sight Colon Second Son. That's the, the code name for Death Star 2. And what's really neat about Death Star 2 is that it is kept so secret and why we haven't heard about it is everybody that is sent to work on Death Star 2 cannot leave until that project is finished. They keep it so under wraps, they can't have any communication leaving that place. There is encrypted transmissions. There are people that literally have, they, they breed this sort of thing in the people that work there where they get paid money if they rat out on people that are doing things suspicious. So if somebody's like not like doing something a little bit weird, they'll like get a bounty for like being like that guy needs to be like taken out of here and detained or something. Um, so it's very much like lock and key. They can't do anything. But anyway, there is an, an aid to the character of George Rod. And this character is actually activated by Kira. She, they are a, um, Crimson Dawn agent. She activates this agent aboard Death Star 2 um, to say calls chaos for the Empire. The time has come. And we had seen from her angle in one of the other comic books where she's literally told the, all her informants in the huts, cartels, and all the bounty hunters, like, just start causing chaos for the Empire. We need to do this to, to, to beat the Sith and all that. So this guy's idea that was one of the insurgents, him and his wife, said, what's better than to give information of the Death Star 2 to the Rebel Alliance. And it's because of them escaping that, I guess the story will be that the Bothans eventually get the information and the Bothans eventually die. So anyway, I thought it was kind of cool because in a roundabout way, you can kind of throw it around where Kira might have been the downfall of the Empire to a certain point of view. Um, she didn't outright say, like, get the information about the Death Star of the Rebels, but... Why else would those people be stationed there if she didn't like want them to 
do something of the of that nature. So it, it looks like the 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 wheels are turning. We're getting closer to that Return of the Jedi era, and I'm just happy to see what's going on with Death Star Two and how under wraps it is. You know. Oh yeah, especially like coming out off of our commentary last week for Return of the Jedi. You know, it's cool getting more information about it because we have we haven't had that much information about it really up to this point um in canon so that's that's really neat and um yeah just like the little connections like that you know you can slide in there without um like say quote unquote like messing things up you know right. it's so it's so it basically fits the whole uh, the whole thing perfectly like like for me like that bit of canon is neat because it fits in it works you know to me, it's unlike the whole, um, for example, like the the Vader, like knowing about Exegol stuff and like not mentioning it to Luke. Like that that sort of thing is like the more like egregious like canon issue. But, you know, this in this situation with like Kira and the Crimson Dawn, like that's awesome. Like I think it slides in perfectly. And the more and more like the stuff that comes out about her, it makes me wonder like say when we get to the end of the say when we get to Return of the Jedi, like at, at this point in the storyline, like will she be dead by then or will she like, you know, like is this like I just feel like they can't take her out in the in the comics or books. Like because you I feel like they're saving, you know, Amelia Clark for something. But um, you know, that's just that's just me throwing out an idea there. Yeah, I feel like there's so much story to tell. Um, I keep going back for the official description of something we're going to talk about right now. We're going to just slide right into the news and we're going to actually get into, well, I'll come back to something else that came this week because this, this translates perfectly into what I want to talk about. We got the Hidden Empire little synopsis release. I've been waiting for that. That's coming out in November. Hidden Empire is the third part of this pseudo Charles Souls written Kira trilogy that started off with War of the Bounty Hunters, went in the Crimson Reign, now the Hidden Empire. She is going after the Emperor. And like there's one of the covers of, of the books where like the Emperor is like shooting lightning out of his hands and she's blocking it with her her swords, her Terras Kasi form, which I learned a lot about Terras Kasi, by the way, and that's in that Darth Maul Shadow Hunter book. Um, there's all these different forms, like the Rising Ronto and the Raging Rancor, and like all these like really cool sounding different things. Because she was taught by Darth Maul to use the Terrascasi, or she was taught by Trident Boss, and that then taught her. But I, I, I figured Darth Maul at that point, after Solo, probably was showing her a few different moves himself, because she actually fought Darth Vader in the War of the Bounty Hunters. She fought what? him for all of five seconds. Yeah, yeah, she she fought him for five seconds, but then like crap like just started going off like bombs and stuff so all right all right stop me stop you right here let me let me get this straight i know what Milton's about to say i was i was waiting <laughs> so they made a comic book about a character who we know of from a particular movie okay she was a one-off character in that movie and we knew she was working with darth maul we knew that you're telling me she stepped the darth vader and lived yep Okay, fine. Now she's stepping to the Emperor, and she's going to live? We don't know this for sure. The co the comic book covers sometimes will tell a, fi a fib. Like, they won't be 100% right. accurate. 
here's because the thing, I believe that too. I'm like, if she actually goes to the emperor, there's no way she could survive. There's no way she lives. And my, I guess, and I'll, I'll let you finish. I know you're excited about this particular I would story because you are invested in these stories as you should, because you've been on a day one. My thing is though, where are they taking this character then? Because I feel like there's got to be a payoff. Because like, because Ben even just he just said it. You can't just kill her off if she's out well, here like interacting with these people like the if she's that essential to that particular story someone's had to talk about her and say hey well, this cure person's out here wrecking shop in the in the galaxy we got to handle well, it think about well think about this milton like what if we would get her say in the mandalverse amelia clark and again like we talk about like these movies and books um and video games like replayability re readability i guess if that's a word but you know re re um using these different um, forms of media, like what would be an easy way to draw people back to all of these comics and books? Have Amelia Clark reference encountering Vader and the emperor in a live action, like right. sense and like the Mandoverse. like, you know, they, they have plenty of ways they can do that to connect with because, you know, there has to be some type of a payoff. Like to me, you know, you can't ever confront Vader. You can't ever confront the Emperor without some type of like something, like some, some type, type of, of like payoff, repercussion you know? or some yeah. type of impact. I mean, and again, I, Chris, I'm gonna let you finish. I promise. But it's like to me, this is so <laughs> bizarre because I feel like with what we got from the movie and then from these two particular series of comics, yes, she's a very integral part of what's been going on during the original trilogy behind the scenes. Fine. You know, it's a big universe, big galaxy. People live their lives. Han doesn't even know, like, what she's up to. What He met her again, right? From what I remember? Did, did he see her again in the uh, comics or no? Kind of no, implied. Kind of, okay. But even that, though, like, you're telling me, like, Han, Han Solo don't get whispers about this person? Like, people know they're probably connected in some way, shape, or form. You know, so it's like, how, how is he not, like, hearing... Well, oh, no, wait, no, no, because no. he's frozen in carbonite at this point. Well, didn't... Oh, okay, okay, didn't so, he... so, so oh, may, oh, may, oh, maybe oh. I need to get out. So, this is still <laughs> pre-Return of the Jedi, right? The yes. upcoming story. Okay. I was about to say, like, what the hell's going on here? And the funny part is, I, I okay, I don't want to spoil it. Never mind. I'm, I, I'll talk in a couple weeks about something that came to my mind, but it came out too soon to now to talk about it, where people might get pissed mm -hmm. off if I mention it. Um... But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I was getting yeah, confused because so, so. like, wait a minute, this doesn't make no sense to me. Like, so this is in between Empire and Return of the Jedi still. Okay. And and here's the quote that I pulled. I put this on Twitter when they first announced Hidden Empire was revealed. This is coming straight out of the writer's mouth himself, Charles Soule. This new story is designed to deliver the big finality of Kira's story, at least this phase of it. Oh, so phase means that yeah. tells me that they are not done with the character. The yeah. writer's probably going to done with the character. And and this leads me to believe, okay, we have D23 coming up in, I think it's like the week after Labor Day. It's like September 9th, 10th, yeah. 11th or something in Anaheim. Same place we had Star Wars Celebration earlier in the year. I feel like they're dropping bombs. Ming-Na Wen was on Twitter. I was telling you, Ben, about, or I think it was in this group chat in general, uh, about, hey, she's like, I want to see more Book of Boba Fett. Um more will be revealed soon or something like that. I was like, huh? So I, I feel like this is the place where they're going to announce, you know, we've seen that leak before with the Mexican 
promotion of the Disney season Plus. two. Well, that and season one being listed on the crew stuff. Like, if it was yeah. an exclusive series, it wouldn't say season one. Yeah, exactly. So I think they're gonna just straight up announce Bo- Book of Boba. It's it's up for like four Emmy Emmys now. I keep seeing a like promotion now, <laughs> like little trailers in my feeds. Yeah, the viewer. So I think we're gonna get an announcement of Book of Boba Fett season two. Maybe they'll go as far as to bring Amelia Clark on stage because I figure she's going to be there at the convention because they're going to have the big Marvel stuff there too and they're going to probably maybe show a little bit of the Samuel Jackson show. What is that called? The Marvel one. Um, it's like the oh, hidden... I'm, I'm, is it any in the Secret Wars? Yeah. Wars? It's Secret Wars, yeah. No, Secret no, 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 no. It's not Secret, secret Invasion. Secret, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And she's supposedly playing a villain in that as one of the scrolls. Yep. So maybe since she's already at the convention, they'll be like, well, we're going to bring her out again and just say, okay, she's reprising her role as Kira Buffett. And boom. Let me throw this in. I would love that. But with Star Wars, like that, like that would be so perfect in my opinion. Like it would have people so hyped, like all of that sort of stuff. But. To me, Star Wars has given us like a track record. Like, I would love to be like excited or hoping for that, but it's like for me, I'm at a point now like my expectations are so low with Star Wars like announcements. Like, if that would happen, it would be an incredible surprise. But I'm not like, to me personally, like I mean, we don't want to turn this into a D23 prediction thing. But to me, <laughs> I really think the I really think the only thing they're gonna do is promote Andor and promote uh, the Bad Batch probably. And Tales of the Jedi, I believe, comes out this year as well. And then they'll probably mention or like do something. They'll probably show the Mando trailer that was, or both Mando trailers that was leaked, or like a compilation of the two combined. Like, I really don't think they would reveal like an Amelia Clark just because, like, that's not Star Wars' model to show the guest stars like that. They're mm-hmm. they're more of like let's let's surprise. Like you know, for example, like with with Thor. You know, Christian Bale, they could have potentially hidden him and not had him, like, be announced as um, Gore. But then, you know, they come out and just, like, are full-blown, like, marketing Christian Bale, basically. So, like, to me, I just don't see that happening, but it would blow everybody out of the water if it would. Yeah, I mean, just just quickly, since we're already on the topic of D23, that weekend is going to be absolute bananas because that Thursday, I think it's, like, the Disney Plus Day. So yep. like they have like the Twitter like that was so run that was run so stupid last year. Remember how dumb that we and me and you were like on it was Twitter. Twitter updates. And it was just like yep. Twitter updates that were so haphazardly scheduled. Like the whole community was in an uproar because we're like, where's the Star Wars stuff? And then they sh- finally showed us like one Obi Wan teaser, and then Marvel got like ten things and Star Wars got one. It was like, what's going on here? You know, we're being a little greedy, yeah, but it was kind of weird how they structured it anyway. Uh, but then I think they have the presentation like two days later at Disney Plus. So D23. So it's like, okay, so what stuff are you going to put out at the D23 day or whatever? Disney Plus day. Then you have the D23 convention. There's another story I'm going to talk about in, in a couple minutes here. Um, and then there's an Ubisoft thing for video games on like Saturday, which could have the potential of showing the open world game they announced like two years ago. So. There's, like, so much happening, so much happening that weekend. Um, but getting off of that tangent, I'm not done because there's another car, Star Wars comic that got announced in the last two weeks, and that's Star Wars Revelations issue number one. 
So they've done this a couple times, or at least one time, where they will put out like a big, like forty-page double double-sized comic that will sort of like preview what's coming up in Star Wars. And their whole framework design of this is Vader goes to Mustafar, and he finds the Eye of Webbish Bog. If you're not familiar with that character, they are this big creature that like lives in a lava, and it was going to be in Rise of Skywalker where Kylo Ren like interacts with this weird creature and that would have been great yeah but it's like anyway so this thing like gives yep. him a vision of the future and it just is a way of like showing us like oh there's all these things that are going to happen with luke the bounty hunters darth vader's own story dr Aphra's story so it's really like a catch-all like hey maybe this will be where we see that post return of the jedi content that i keep talking about because uh it's been about two years maybe a little bit over two years now i think it's i think it's time to move on to another era of uh the Star Wars comics. Um, going back to another thing that got released this week. And Ben, you had mentioned there was a book trailer for Death Troopers. Well, yep. it was awesome because Del Rey put out a book trailer for this. And that is The Princess and the Scoundrel. Oh, nice. And I, and I already finished the book, guys. It came out on Tuesday. <laughs> this is one of those books that I just couldn't put down. And... I will say this is the cover the cover of the year right here for any Star Wars book. It's awesome. This reminds me of the old school Legends book cover designs. Yep. And it's got everything in here from the romance to uh, the, the, the Ice World uh, Musra or whatever it's called. And um, yeah, you know, we got the <laughs> everybody's favorite Galactic Star Cruiser. But it wasn't that bad. It, it wasn't that bad with the Galactic Star Cruiser stuff. They managed to make it fit in pretty naturally, I would assume. I, I would say. Um, but I really liked the story. The story was awesome. Um, and like I said on Twitter a couple couple hours ago, Del Rey has really hit it out of the park with these Star Wars novels this summer. It all started off with Brotherhood, which was like the preamble into like our Obi Wan series where we really got into the Kata Nemoidia and the Brotherhood relationship bomb between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Then just last month we had Shadow of the Sith, which like really pulled its weight with really just giving us like a good comprehensive comprehensive idea of how the sequel trilogy functions with within itself. And it really adds a lot of clarity um to what's going on with Palpatine and his machinations and Ochi of Bestoon and everything with Ray's parents and we're it's it's a I, I would say that that one's an essential story if you're a fan of the sequel trilogy and then this book comes out and it is the direct aftermath of what happens with the Death Star and you have Leia she's like struggling whether to deal with being a Jedi dealing with her father being Vader what that means for the galaxy, the secret she has to hold, um, and having this really quick relationship, well, not quick, but, like, having this, you know, going from being, you know, with herself to being married to Han Solo within within about a week or so after the Battle of, uh, the Battle of Endor, and, and everything that goes along with that with Leia, you know, obviously they won the battle, but that's not it, like, there's a lot more to do, they have to set up a new government, so we see how flustered Leia is, how She's supposed to be going on this honeymoon, but also trying to show the galaxy that it's safe again. The hollow cams are recording like everything where it's like, okay, this is, we want the, the people to know that the empire has been toppled and this is the bright side of the galaxy right now. But then she's also dealing with making political connections, being an ambassador, 
kind of like working while she's on vacation type of thing and, and you know, irritating Han to a certain degree because this poor guy just wants to hang out with his newlywed and then he he feels like she's distant because she's dealing with all this stress that she has being, you know, learning more of the Force. Is it too early for that? Whatever. Then dealing with the politics. Then all this other stuff. And then you have Han who is just like out of his element. He's on the Halcyon, the Galactic Star Cruiser. It's not really like his jam. But he's also like finding ways to like kind of appease himself. And then, in, meanwhile, in the first, like, I, I love how the book is set up. You got the first third, which is stuff on Endor. The whole thing with like the fuel system, with like the Tobago. They have this great. I, what I love about the Star Wars books is between Princess and the Scoundrel, between Shattered Empire comics, between the Aftermath trilogy between the alphabet squadron trilogy and i don't know if i'm missing any other any other like interstitial stuff well battlefront 2's campaign they have this first year of that post return of the jedi era which is so well fleshed out right now with operation cinder with you know the 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 droids that have Al palpatine's visage on them that are directing people after his contingency and his death the battle of jakku like all the stuff built up to that battle of jakku has been so well done at this point so it's a really great this story does a really great job of continuing on that front really like giving us an idea of like hey there's a big fuel crisis and the empire is going to be heading out to the outer rim because now the mid rim and the core is going to be delegated to this newer republic. So now the Imperial holdouts are going to go to the Outer Rim. They're going to blockade the Anuet Sector, which is where Bespin is, which is where Cloud City is. And Cloud City, we know, is the big producer of all the Tabana gas. So if the Empire, you know, over there decides that, hey, we don't believe the Emperor's dead. We want to keep people working on Tabana gas so we can hog it from the rest of the galaxy. Then the other side of the galaxy, we have to get a new form of fuel. So then the Empire holdouts go there and start blockading that planet. So there's a, like a lot of like really cool ideas with the politics, with how people are reacting, like the the rich people, right? Like we see a little bit of this in the Last Jedi, how you know you got the different, you know, the bureaucrats and different people that are profiting from war. So we see a lot of that. Like a lot of these people are like wanting Leia dead essentially because a she killed Jabba. And a lot of the, you know, the huts want her dead. But then you have these people that are making millions and millions of credits because they're developing Star Destroyers. And all of a sudden, you can't make Star Destroyers anymore because the Empire's dead. So all these people are just pissed off and everything out. This book is fantastic. I, I, I can go on about it for an hour. I won't because I feel like I'm getting into spoiler territory now. But I will say, pick this book up because it's awesome. And it's, you know, there's a lot of, it's a love story at its core, right? So there's there's a lot of romantic stuff. And it actually worked pretty well. I'm not, you know, I'm not that kind of dude that's into that sort of thing. But I thought it worked pretty well in this. It's cool seeing Han being himself, seeing those moments with him and Leia kind of alone. It's like this, this cool kind of outlook on like what the relationship ends up being. We know how it tragically ends with them kind of separating themselves. We see a little, like bits of cracks in that foundation of where we'll eventually see that happen in the future but you know my review is coming up pretty soon i'm on the channel look out for that this weekend but uh definitely a page turner as as yoda would say to luke um definitely <laughs> recommend it as my early impressions i'll have a more well thought out review coming to you guys later nice that does sound that does sound interesting and um you know like you said it's good that they're like developing like little bits um, little stories here and there 
like just right after like the events of Return of the Jedi, like that with this, the um, Battlefront, um, you know, the aftermath oh. trilogy, like all these things. Um, you know, it's nice that they're developing the, these storylines like right after, um, you know, because that's a it's a time period when most people like immediately think like it's instantly like peaceful or instantly like perfect when like there's still like a lot more going on. Yeah, and it's really funny because I put this out on Twitter as well. <laughs> there is this one thing that Lucasfilm does not give up on trying to make um, relevant in this era. <laughs> and in 2015, there was a Star Wars mobile game which was supposed to take the world by storm called Star Wars Uprising. It was like one of those like really yep, like... I remember that. Exactly, right? Like, I think most Star Wars fans probably downloaded it because it was, like, the next big thing. It was like, oh, my gosh, it's a it's a Star Wars game on your phone. That's going to be canon. That's going to push the, the story forward to The Force Awakens. So, like, everybody was downloading this thing, but it was just a very poorly done game. It was very repetitive, very grindy. There might have been, like, heavy microtransactions. I don't remember. Dude, but apparently, game trash. <laughs> yep. Like that, that's what yeah. turned me off to the Star Wars games. I was like, y'all garbage when they when they, when EA took over or Disney, garbage. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like they keep referencing this damn game, but it's so funny because like they're bringing it back from the dead. Like like because they had all these lofty ideas for like continuing the story with the game through the, the game. And then when they canceled, they're like, oh crap, we have all this story that we were supposed to tell, and now we'll never be able. Like, well, now they've been threading that into the story. So like the stuff with the blockade on the Anoet sector, that's where the game takes place. They reference, like, Governor Adelhard, who is this stern guy who's, like, telling all his citizens, like, the Emperor's not dead. He's still alive. Like, there's all this propaganda. And I, I, I love this era of Star Wars. There's even a reference of it in The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 9. No, Episode 7 with uh, uh, Migs Mayfield. He's like, yeah, I was there at Operation Cinder and all this stuff. So, like, you know, they're yep. even putting this in the actual damn TV series now, which is great. Uh, maybe one day we'll actually get, like, some version of the Battle of Jakku, like, in animation or even in, like, a flashback to live action. That'd be freaking awesome. Yeah, so... All right, an hour later. <laughs> we're probably <laughs> ready to get on to some more news here. Uh, this thing's fresh off the press. We got some stuff about Jedi survivor we have jedi survivor books announced the first one is a full-fledged novel novel from delray this one is taking place right i don't know if it's right after but it's after the events of jedi fallen order and it's called jedi battle scars written by sam mags uh star wars battle scar a new novel from delray written by sam mags finds Order 66 survivor Cal Kestis leading the Mantis crew on an adventure set between a critically acclaimed Star Wars Jedi Fallen and a highly anticipated Star Wars Jedi survivor. Star Wars Jedi Battle Scars arrives on May 7, 2023. And then we also have the art of Star Wars Jedi Survivor. The art of Star Wars Jedi Survivor basically has uh, Chronicles development of the game, collecting concept art and creator commentary in an oversized, full color, fully colored Hardcover behind the scenes tome will hit shelves on May 2nd, 2023. Yep, so that is pretty big. Okay, so this tells me right now the game is basically ready to be shipped. Um, the game is not going to be delayed because they have hard dates on these books. And the fact that they actually are coordinating with the development studio of Respawn leads me to believe that like, they are way ahead of schedule if they're able to time these kind of books with the game especially with 
with the um the, the the art of Jedi Survivor, like it says, like they have the behind the scenes stuff. So like everything's done. So that I I would say that the game has to come out between March and April would be my guess um, because you can't have behind the scenes thing coming out before the game is done. Um, I mean, you never know. I mean, they could, but. Look, I still haven't even played the first game yet, and I oh, just have it downstairs. It's still downstairs. I just haven't played it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic, and and from what we've seen from the trailer, is that we have what's going on with um, the crew is dismantled. Now I don't know if they're like the the Stinger Mantis crew with Sergenda, with Marin, with the other dude that I always forget his name. That cool looking, stumpy looking alien. They're all gone, and, and the ship has crashed. So I don't know if this book will give us a little bit about that, but I'm a, I'm a sucker for some good old video game tie-in books. I was a big fan of Battlefront 2's uh, tie-in book that came out right before the game, which had like the backstory of Inversio and how Inferno Squad was a big force to be reckoned with um, within the Empire. But this is neat because it's going to give us after what happens with the game. And it's a great game because what happens in that game, the Cal Kestis and his crew, like that's some seriously deep crap that those guys have to deal with. Like their lives being threatened by that certain character at the end. I know the game's like three years old, but I don't I don't really want to spoil it in case some people want to <laughs> still play through it. Well, both of you haven't played through it all the way. So I, uh, that that I mean, I, I know. The, I know. Oh, you know, I know the ending. Yeah, I watched I watched the uh, playthrough. Before. Do, you, do you know the ending of it, Milton? Yes. You know what happens at the end? Okay. Yeah, like, because uh, don't they, they're in some, like, underwater thing. That's the same place in Obi-Wan Kenobi, by the way. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's the same facility oh, where the okay. Inquisitors are. Yeah, so oh, anyway, like. all right. Yeah, so so basically Vader almost kills them all. Dude. No, I, I've seen the video. So, like, I've seen the, like, how it looks. Cause, like, he, he pops, his entrance is dope. Yeah. Oh yeah. That that's why like so, I want I want to play the game. Like I'm going to play the game. I don't know the entire story of that, which is that's fine. I know how it ends, which is okay. Um but I hear the gameplay is pretty dope. Um and part of my debate of trying to hold off on it and I I'm thinking about going next gen with the PlayStation 5 next year. So I'm thinking well, I might as well just like get the PS5 and get both games for it and then play yeah. it back to back. Yeah, you yeah. might as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but again, I haven't decided yet because I mean, the only time I'm getting a, a next gen PlayStation Five is when NCAA football comes out. That, that that's July. coming out next yes. year, I think, right? Yeah. So that's next. what I'm saying. Like, yep. we'll see what happens. Yeah, but again, like to have this much stuff centered around the game, between the action figures, between we had a mini series comic that was telling the. The, the telling of uh, Sarah Junda, who's the ma pseudo master of Calcestis in this game, to now having a book, we are basically, and, and for all I know, they probably have a CD of the game soundtrack somewhere. Hey guys, we are now talking about the new Disney era of the Shadows of the Empire because this is a multimedia video game tie in connected universe. Now, they literally have a Jedi Fallen Order universe in every sense of the word. I mean, especially if Cal Kestis eventually shows up on the screen, it's going to be really, like, crazy. And I, I have no doubt it will eventually. I just hope they tell a, tell a story they want to tell in the game first, leave us, you know, the suspense, yep. suspended in, the, in, in belief, you know. They could throw oh, them in, yeah. in something like 
Andor maybe eventually, mm-hmm. but that yeah, would be past can... these events, I guess. Yeah, that would they... be like spoiling his fate or whatever. But oh yeah, I I think they could definitely um end up throwing him in at some point in live action because right now Cameron Monaghan is like the perfect age, perfect um you know he looks young and like he could play him perfectly whether it be like in the the um pre a new hope era or if he ends up being like in the Mandoverse era at all like you know there's a possibility for that um it's like he would fit that perfectly and you know like you said it just it just all comes down to a matter of where and when the game takes place like hey here's here's one thing for you chris to think about with these games the next game say after this game that's coming out next year what if you know the next one if if they say hey we're doing a time jump with cal to when he's like 45 or or you know a lot older like See, you know, I feel like that that would be the first signal to us that he's going to make a live action appearance because I feel like they would just basically give him a live action appearance and then shuffle that right into the next game, potentially like right around that era. Hmm. Yeah, it could be interesting. So it takes, you know, it'll be it'll be about three years from the time of Fallen Order to survivor that's like the in-game yep. development time uh, especially now that they're working on next gen hardware only if they have a third game i could see it in, i could see it being made in maybe two years especially now with the pandemic kind of on its way out sort of now i'm sure their pipelines of development are a lot better than they were on the onset of the whole pandemic so i could see them being on the same engine they are which i believe would probably be unreal engine 5 which oh my gosh this could this could look amazing and segueing. I think I'm doing pretty decent with these segues tonight. Transitioning <laughs> into the next one is we have this D23 gaming panel, and well, that's happening on September uh, September 9th. We're getting the Disney and Marvel Games Showcase. They haven't done any of these before. This is the first time, which is. This would be where we're gonna show. We're gonna see first gameplay of Jedi Survivor. I'm calling it now. We're gonna see first gameplay for Jedi Survivor because there really isn't any other gaming conventions or anything to really have before the game comes out, right? I don't think this is coming out um, after Celebration, which would be the next logical place to show it. It'll probably be out before then, like maybe a couple weeks before Celebration in April, would be my guess. But um, yeah, so they're basically they're gonna show. And it surprised me. New Lego Star Wars content. So I'm like, okay, I'm all about that because, hell, I'm still playing. As I was telling you guys before we start recording, I'm only 700 out of 1,200 bricks. Kyber well, bricks or whatever in the game. There's so well, much they, for me to do still. Well, I mean, we speculated about it when the game first came out. Um, I could 100% see them doing like some type of a DLC to um, bring in like Mando Season 1 and you play yep. through that or something. Yeah, I, I 100% could see us getting a little 10 20 like a 20 second thing uh a, like a mock-up almost or a little mini trailer of like the end of mando season one episode one when din's walking up to the to the basket and you know opens it up and it's little lego grogu basically like i could see us like getting some type of a little teaser like that or something because because we're for sure going to be getting a DLC for that game at some point of the Mando shows. Because, like, why wouldn't they? Yeah, so, so the structure of LEGO Star Wars, 
they don't even have to necessarily put a story mode in. If that's going to cost them a lot of money to do that, they yep. could just maybe say, screw the story, just put the planets in from the game. Yep. Or put the planets in from the from the shows. Because right now, they have like 20 planets, but I could see them adding so many more planets into the, into, into the game from, hey, put Braca from Jedi Fallen Order in there. Put Jeffa uh, from Jedi Fallen Order. Put yep. Clone Wars planets like Mandalore. Put... Mm-hmm. They, whatever like they can just put out a planet like a pack of planets like let's say like do three or four planets every like quarter and just have like a season pass like destiny or something like okay you pay ten dollars you get these four planets and you could do like a, a year-long season and they could like that lego people they could be working on this game for like the next three years at that rate like yeah they just put in a bunch of kyber bricks and let you go crazy, you know? I don't know. Just put some music from the series and stuff in there, and you're good to go. Because they, they already have the characters in there. Moff Gideon, Bo-Katan, yep. Mando, they're all in there. They don't really talk or anything like the other characters, but maybe they can just do VO while they have the people in the studio recording anyway. Like, what would that take? Like, get Pedro Pascal to say, like, I don't know, 20 different lines, and then they just put it in the game. I don't know. He's already there. Just have him yeah. say a couple more lines. Throw them, a few, throw them another 10 or 20 grand and be like, hey, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that, and this is the same place, like I said, well, maybe we'll see more Star Wars Hunters. I don't know. Got delayed till who knows when. And then Jedi Survivor. I think that's, I think if they don't show us a trailer, they will, or show us a gameplay trailer, they will at least acknowledge an actual release date for the game. I think we'll find that out in a, in a couple weeks. And, Hell, there's a lot more Star Wars games. Maybe we'll get an update on Star Wars Knights of the Republic Remake, which is the next story. So apparently, mm-hmm. the studio that is in charge, the overarching studio called the Embracer Group, people online love to hate on these guys. So the Embracer Group is some like conglomerate from like the from Europe somewhere in Europe that is like swallowing all of these like companies from like miniature gaming groups like Asmodee to like they just recently bought like all of the Lord of the Rings rights outright for like 500 something million dollars. They just straight up were like Smokes. we now own the rights to make a Gandalf movie, to make an Aragon movie, to make video games. Like this Embracer group is is like just they're unstoppable. And apparently they 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 seemed there was something in that report where they had confirmed that they changed the developer for a big AAA game. And they didn't specifically say Knights of the Republic, but for whatever reason, people are putting two and two together that, you know, the previous, I will say at this point from speculation, the previous developer, Asper of KOTOR, this is not confirmed, might be changing hands to Saber Interactive. Saber Interactive has been in charge of a lot of different games like Halo. You go on the Wikipedia, the list goes on and on there. They're also like a big porting company, but I think they have done like a lot of original stuff in conjunction with helping like the bigger studios. Or They're more of like a support studio than like an actual AAA, like create their own stuff from the ground up. So it's not much of a change from Aspire, which is why I was like, why is this porting company making a brand new game from the ground up? They have no experience doing that. And they're going to give them the most beloved game of all time to do that on. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't sound good to me. Um, So I don't know if this is much better if you ask me honestly, but it seems like this group has more experience than the other group had. So we shall see. Um, See, But that that wasn't a news. I'm over the game. I'm over these games, man. Like, look, 
I've been so salty about the video games with Star Wars. Because there's always some delay. There's always some change. Like, when's the last time there's been a consistent game besides Squadron? Okay, maybe. I'll, I'll give you that. So I'll give you that <laughs> and, and uh, Fallen Order. That's it. Like, honestly, in, in the last seven years since Disney has bought this company, the games have been dog shit. You know, just because, like, I, I again, there's always some news with it. I don't understand why can't they be consistent? Why yeah. can't they find a developer or two to make a great game, whether it's mobile, next-gen, PC, you know, handheld, whatever? Like, I just feel like, like, this, this thing you just read just now, it felt like it changed hands three times. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and this, this, is, this is a remake of a game. That yep. we've all played on Xbox. That I guarantee right now, if I put out an original Xbox, I'd play it right now. It'd still be fire. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So like, it's like, why can't we get this right? We got the developers out there. Find one and make it happen. Stop playing. Like, I'm still thinking of Star Wars Eclipse that they hyped up. Was it last year or this past summer or last year? Yeah. No, it was. La- it was like yeah. Last year. Yeah, Star Wars like, Eclipse. Yeah, and I'm like, wait a minute, that thing got changed. Like, what? Look. Yeah. My they they they've left a bad taste in my mouth with these games just because something's always happening. I feel like well, it wouldn't shock I mean, me if Jedi Survivor has like a weird delay or like something. Oh no! Up. Don't tell me that. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, well, did, didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't Star Wars Lego happen at one point? Yo, I mean, that Star that Wars was Lego. renowned for getting delayed every year. Yes, that's what I'm ever. saying. Like you was waiting for that game forever, and all of a sudden delayed, or this happened, or that. I'm like, come on, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Star Wars Lego was like the flat one of the flagships of that. I mean, because like, you know, they announced it and it was like, what, 2018, I think 2018 for 2020. And then it kept getting pushed and pushed. And then it was like, oh, it's coming out. I remember when like the Star Wars show on YouTube on the Star Wars YouTube yeah. channel, like they were like, oh, it's coming out this October, whatever, blah, 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 or November, blah, 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 blah. And then the, here, the here's the best part about it, Milton. Um, you may not remember this, but. At that for that specific episode of the Star Wars show, the Star Wars channel they deleted the episode to cover it up. Like you can't find that episode anymore from yeah. the announcement because you know they had so much of a snafu with that. And then like even going back to Battlefront Two, you know, the microtransactions drama yeah, that, that went on with that situation that was a disaster. That was and bad. like you know you have you have all of these controversies with the video games. It's like. Why can't like I I just don't get it why they can't get it look, get it straight like at least look I'll I'll say this you know because Madden has his moments but at least Madden every year comes out when it needs to come out it's yeah. consistent yes is it always a hit no I mean but it's fairly popular though too and they're going to keep making them all right and it, oh NBA yeah when when, I, when EA is involved like when EA is involved like this is the one thing I mean I mean I'm sure you can sports wise they're, they're pretty solid it, when EA when EA is involved. You know, EA, the big thing with them, they'll make their dates about 99.9% of the time mm-hmm. because EA loves their money. And, like, yes. they make their dates for the most part, like I would say. And they know us idiots who bitch about the game every year because it says the same thing. We're going to pay for it. Like, I yep. get 2K usually every year. Yep. You know, but, like, I'm just saying, why can't we find a developer? And Chris and Ben, you guys would know this better than me because I'm not really into, like, developing game companies like you guys are. Like, if you had to pick one or two developers 
to take Star Wars for the next 12 to 15 years, who would you pick? Oh, wow. Ooh, that's a big, that's a whole podcast probably. You know, and, 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 and that might be another podcast on the road, but I'm saying if you had to just give a quick answer. Respawn Entertainment. It, They're already working on, on the best Star Wars games. So that's Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor. So, because... so why would you pick that company in particular? And, and, and here's the thing. I've seen the gameplay for Fallen Order. It looks fire. I, and you've said how it plays smoothly. Well, here's the thing, because they're diverse. They can do different things. They, they, they are currently making a strategy Star Wars game on top of a first-person shooter Star Wars game. So they have all the bases covered. Um, right. If it was a couple years ago, I would say CD Projekt Red, who makes one of my favorite games of all time, um, Witcher or Rockstar, you know, they, they've great. It depends on what the kind of games you want, right? You go with the pedigree right. of the studio. If I'm looking for an open world game, let let, let Rockstar make a Star yeah. Wars game. That could be freaking well, see, that's, badass. That, that's what immediately came to my mind, like, without even thinking about it, was Rockstar. Like, I feel like they would be, like, the perfect studio for an open world Star Wars game. Um, and, like, to me, I feel like, like, I don't know, like we've always said on this podcast, as Star Wars fans, we're really simple to please. Like, give mm-hmm. us some a solid story. Give us some lightsabers, some blasters, and some vehicles, and some creatures, and we're we're pretty much good. And like, you know, and then you have all these other like little issues that that pile up with the video games that that make them almost tarnished. And it's like, why not just you know? Of course, there's this um, the other open world Star Wars game, but like, why not you know give Rockstar and open world Star Wars license or whatever to make something and just like give us a star wars game like i mean heck if you want to make it like seasonal to make money make like or make even more money i guess like you could add in like kind of like the battle passy type or season like seasons to it like so say season one you could do the phantom menace and make it all the phantom menace and then you just keep adding to the game right. then you add in the attack of the mm-hmm. clones here and then revenge of the sith and then solo and rogue one and a new hope and you know you just keep adding and adding and adding like adding into the open world element of the game and like do something along those lines versus just like overthinking it and overthinking it. And like, right. like you said, Milton, when Chris was reading that article, um, it like just the, just you like describing it, Chris, like sounded like it changed hands two or three times. It's like, wait, who, what, what, when, where, like, yeah, that's what I'm you saying. know, like it's, but it's the funny like, part. This is where it gets funny because there's a lot of news outlets coming out and saying like, Oh, they switched hands, but they're on track to make the release date. It's like, no way in hell are they no, making that game come no way, out next it, year. It, yeah, there's no way. Because think about it. And we've all worked in the professional world in general. We've all... When you when, when someone takes over a project or a case, you got to relearn that case and get adapted to it and maybe put your implement your own way of doing things. Like, every company is going to be like, okay, this is what Vice did or this is what EA did or, you know, well, uh, Frostbite. Well, really- so let's... We got to see what they did. How can we make it better? And how can we put our people in the best position to make the game we want to make? Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, Milton, a super easy example, even for um, our listeners or like, you know, us being big sports fans. It's when like a new coach gets hired to a team in the NFL or NBA. They it's not year one. They win. It's not year two. It's year three, four down the road. Like you have to build a foundation for it. And like to me with like these um, studios and stuff, I feel like. Star Wars hasn't developed a good relationship for the most part with a lot of these studios to develop a good foundation to build the games off of. Like, because you have to have, like, 
you know, like you mentioned, with like good management, good leadership, mm-hmm. you have to have um, like good, bold management that stays consistent. Like, you know, say what you want. Like a lot of people are like going after um, going after Warner Brothers Discovery right now and David Zaslav. But for me, I think he's doing a good job because, you know, he whether you agree with his stuff or not, like he's coming in, hammering stuff down and like getting rid of projects he doesn't believe in, et cetera. And I would rather have that than Warner Brothers be all over the place and be super sloppy like they have in right. the past six or seven years. So like with Star Wars, it's just like they need to find some type of a like video game leadership. So like like you know you have your like your Kathleen Kennedys and those people working on say the movie and shows and that type of thing. They need some type of a I don't know like a Kevin Feige of video games, like someone to head up the video game side of things like exactly. say hey we need to like head in this direction with why, our why relationships you... with the studios and stuff yeah why, i mean i know they they said to bring back lucas games or something yeah that's, that's what they're kind of doing yeah lucas film okay. games does all yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah they should never got rid of lucas arts okay because lucas arts yeah. is popping all right again yeah. i i know all I know those I was, games are classics yeah i i know i was a kid in in the 90s and you know early 2000s as a teen I, and, and maybe my glassy eyes as a kid is still having nostalgia about them, but I don't remember any of those games being horribly bad, you know, for that particular time where I feel like every Star Wars game back then was a fairly successful game for the most part. Where I, oh, this is replayable. This is I can play this multiple times. Again, I have a PlayStation yeah, Two, feel... Nintendo sixty four, a PlayStation three, and I have Star Wars games for all three of those systems that I still play. Yeah, I feel yeah. like at that point there was. Games coming out at the rate of the Disney Plus shows. Like, we mm-hmm. would get a, a game, like, four times a year. We'd get one exactly. in the fall, spring, summer. Like, I'm waiting for that. Like, there's enough games in development to do that eventually for Star Wars. It's just, if the damn delays would stop, it would be all right. I agree. You know? <laughs> well, right, facts. I, I think I think this all stems from, and I'm, whenever they bought Star Wars, they got rid of that, that department, and they canceled 1313. That's how that... that yeah. We should have saw the sign right there because thirteen thirteen looked good. Like we yeah. all were looking forward to that game. Well, I you know, think so. what Amy Hennig is working on could be something similar to that because that had a very uncharted feel. Mm-hmm. I think that game actually came out before. Like when I was being made, I think Uncharted wasn't even a thing at that point. It might have been Uncharted. What was two thousand eight? I thought maybe. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe I don't know. I've never I, played I could... Uncharted, but yeah. It was very um, much like that very big explosive yeah. game where you're covering behind and shooting people, and right. it looks similar to that. Dude, it looks so good. I, and I was never a person who was into like the first person shooters or whatever like that. Because this might have been was this first person or third person shooter. Third person. But, yeah, I never was really into all those shooting games as a kid, except for like GoldenEye, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. yep. even seeing that, I was like, oh, like I can do this because it was a new part of Star Wars. It was so new of. Oh, this is the underground of Star Wars. We never really saw this. You know, you're not playing as a Jedi. You're not playing as like a Sith. You were just some some bounty hunter and you know, a different element. And I'm like, I can lock on mm-hmm. to this. You know, so but I just felt just the writing was on the wall then. Maybe we should have saw the signs. Hopefully moving forward. Again, I'm trying to be positive about the video game department. Just they just have they've let me down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean I mean it's 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 just the it's just um you know like it, like anything it takes time to like build someone's trust back up especially like a customers when you know you're going to spend money on the product like exactly. you want to make sure it's worth spending the money on even say it's only $60 like that $60 can be used on something mm-hmm. that's not 
bad, I guess, or not. Well, Hispanic. here, I'll give, like, a, I'll, I'll give a good sports example. Thing. You know, I mean, Chris, you live in Jersey. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, New York Giants fans and Jets fans, you guys have been, <laughs> you know, trying to trust those franchises for the last 15 years, and they've been trash. So I don't know why you guys give your money to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. <laughs> Trust me, I know how it feels over here. At the oh, it's Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So, so there you go. That's what's happening. Like I said, that weekend of September eighth, ninth, tenth, you're gonna get news about games. You're gonna get news about series. Hell, maybe we'll even have Taika Waititi actually showing up and talking about what he's working on because. I feel like if anything, they're going to be talking a lot about movies at D23 too. So right. it's about yeah, time well, we start getting a little bit of news on that. Yeah, I mean maybe we get a maybe we get a, a title even of that at D23 because they're supposed to be starting to shoot at the beginning of 23. So oh. maybe we get maybe we get a title at D23 for that um, potentially. Like like that's another thing with Star Wars too. It's like like I love all the Disney Plus stuff. Don't get me wrong. But Star Wars is a theater property, in my opinion. Like they should be, you know, they should be more in the theaters, not um, not being in, like they, not being like thing, gun, they, gun shy they, over it. You know, they should present their stuff as if it's going to theaters. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, like they 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 are. The, I mean, this is very cliche, but they're the granddaddy of Star Wars, in my opinion. I mean, look back in the day, Mickey mm-hmm. Mouse was at number one. However, Star Wars should be that crown jewel. I mean, Marvel cur- currently is that crown jewel of Disney. Let's be real here. But like, oh. but oh, Star sure. Wars should be saying, "Oh no, we are that crown jewel." Like, you bought us for four point five billion dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't yeah. think they bought Marvel's rights or whatever at that time for something something billion. You know, like, yep. Star Wars is clearly more worldly recognizable than Marvel. Well, I. That might switch now. Marvel Close. Marvel might be the most universal, like, recognized I mean, IP mm. when it comes to, like, TV and movies, maybe, right, at this moment, compared to Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, I think with that, too, it comes down to um, just, like, overall management with the company, with, like, the video right. games, the movies, the shows, like, like, everything. Like, because I think all that would... I think the main thing that would solve a lot of this stuff with Star Wars is, like... Do exactly what Marvel just did at um, at Comic Con when they yep. released like their yeah. whole timeline timeline of things. Release a timeline like how how cool would this be, guys? Like if they released a timeline for like the next six years worth of movies, shows, and video games, all that were tagged Fire. to the timeline. So you literally see everything, boom, and and stick to it. That the big the big caveat is sticking to it though. But you know, if they could do that, if they would release a big timeline, have um, I mean, heck, have Kathleen Kennedy come out and announce it. Be like, hey, nah, this is just, our just have, timeline. Just have Kevin do it. Just have Kevin do it, bro. Or Yeah, or have Kevin Feige. Well, he's already out. on their payroll. I mean, we know he's working for him to some degree. Fact. He's working for something. But yeah, just have have him do that and announce it and stick to it is my big thing. Because like, just sticking to the projects in general is, is the biggest issue, I feel like, when it comes to this company. And... Um, and, you know, now that's spread over to the video games side of things as, as well. And, like, that's another whole issue altogether, I would say. Like, from um, talk, talking management, like, you know, I'm always one to, like, hop on to, to criticize Star Wars management. But uh, in my opinion, it's 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 worth it. Because, like, to me, if you're Star Wars, like, 
they should just set hard deadlines for these video game companies. Like, you cannot go past this date. Like, get the game done in the next three years or we're going to a different studio. Like, you know, like, because I think there there's just too much flexibility and fluidity in the company to, you know, it, it's just bleeding over into all of the different projects, whether it be the games, movies, or shows. Yeah. And one last news topic for the week. If you want to go see Rogue One, well, you do have a chance. If you have an IMAX theater around you, there is a chance that it will be playing on August 26th, and there's going to be some kind of Andor preview attached. So I don't think it's playing more than one day, which is the hard part, because that is when we do our podcast. So if it was, like, playing for a week or two, I would definitely see it over the weekend at some point. But I'm like, well, darn, I guess it's they, they can't have an old movie for more than one day i don't know who knows i want to go see et because apparently et's playing in imax right now but anyways oh, nice. yeah that's cool though like you know it got delayed but like there's lucasfilm's gift to be like well you gotta wait a little bit but while you're waiting you can go watch rogue one again which is one of the All coolest right. movies to see on the big screen so there you go oh yeah speaking of rogue one um one thing I saw pop up this week, by the way, on, on social media while we're talking about Rogue One and Andor is I forgot completely about the trailer, the first initial launch trailer for that, where it shows like the opening crawl credits and yeah. it, and the credit the credits start to like fizzle out and you hear the whole um, alarm and all that stuff. Like I forgot about that. And like that's a cool little clip for anybody, you know, just as like a little refresher. Go check it out. Like the first initial Rogue One little teaser was really, really cool, actually. Mm hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was iconic. The 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 klaxon yep. sounds going on and off, on and off, on and off. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So for this last segment of the show, we're gonna be talking about our favorite vehicles and ships in Star Wars. This spawned um, on me because I was I was collecting those ships and I was like, yeah. When it comes to the ships and aliens, that's my bread and butter of Star Wars. I mean, you could talk about how cool the Jedi are. How cool the planets are, the Force. I know those are like most people like because of Force and Jedi and stuff. But I'm like, I really like the ships, guys. I really like the vehicles, and that just they go through so many designs, and some of them are old concept art that that's brought back in the canon. Like they did a lot for Star Wars Rebels. So I don't know how you guys want to kind of do this one, but um, I was thinking maybe we can just kind of break it up in like different classifications of. Of ships from speeders to walkers about, to yeah, I how, don't know. Yeah, I say how about just break it up into like you know you got your ground transports. We yeah. can talk about some of our speeders, some of our walkers, and then talk about some of the more um like say medium sized type sure. ships, and then you know just move on from there to like the bigger class ships if you want to go around the room that way. Yeah. All right. So let's start off with <clears throat> let's start off with some speeders. Um, my favorite is the swoop bike. I don't know. Ever since, ever since Dash Rendar is flying on that during Shadows of the Empire, and then you later see Anakin on one in that famous Attack of the Clones trailer, I've been hooked on that thing. I I just like how it's like the chopper version of of a motorcycle in the Star Wars universe. I like the sound it makes. I like the attitude for the rider gives. Like a lot of them are just like the the bigger seats where you're just like leaning back more it just has that that you know say what you about the speeder bikes speeder bikes are like you're leaning forward on a lot but just the fact that you're kind of just chilling um 
I've always been a fan of the swoop bikes. And in a matter of fact, I should be getting my swoop bike miniatures in in the next week or so because uh, Star Wars Legion has swoop bikes and I have bought like three packs of them. I'm going to have like a swoop bike army in that game. It's going to be freaking badass. So, yeah, I don't know if you guys have anything to comment on with the good old swoop bikes or not. Yeah, I would I would see the swoop bikes like you said um you know, going back to Dash Rendar, that was like our first like introduction to them. Um, to, I mean, you know, for I feel like for a lot of people. And then, um, you know, of course, Anakin and Attack of the Clones. And then mm-hmm. if you would classify Darth Maul's uh, swoop speeder bike as a swoop bike, I'm not yeah. sure. But I would say, like, to me, like the most, like, I think iconic or like most memorable um, swoop bike moment to me is for sure like Darth Maul. Like seeing Darth Maul, go like flying off that cliff and like flying down chasing Qui-Gon and Anakin like that whole thing I feel like imprinted like such a big like you know it just it's just such a cool um shot and everything so that's like that's what always like really made me interested with um with the swoop bike vehicle specifically yeah it looks a lot of fun and yeah we didn't see enough of that Darth Maul speeder um, yep. I'm sure it has a specific classification and name. I'm just going to call it a speeder bike, whatever. But it's cool. Like, you get to see him just jumping off that cliff. Like, good thing they have something called repulsor lifts. We don't know how to explain <laughs> how they work. But damn if they don't do a good job of cushioning the 500-foot jump off a cliff. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I was going to mention Vader, Darth Maul's speeder bike. Obviously, the Attack of the Clones look. And I'm pretty sure, well, speaking of Attack of the Clones, obviously the hot rod speeder that Anakin gets to, uh, or not Anakin, was it Anakin? Yeah. Anakin gets yeah. the speeder to catch up to Obi-Wan when they're going after the droid, the uh, the assassin droid. Because he does mention, he's like, I couldn't find the right, he's like, what took you so long? He's like, I couldn't find the uh, right speeder that I liked. Which I thought that was cool, though, and I just showed, like, a lot of, like, George Lucas's, you know, upbringing as, like, a roadster and loving cars. So I would say growing up as a kid, besides the swoop bike and Darth Maul's bike, I like Anakin's speeder that he stole in Coruscant to like go after the assassin droid. Yeah, classic, classic line of, oh, I didn't, I, I was looking for the right color. I didn't like that. Yeah, kind. Colors, like, yeah, yeah. Moment, moment of terror and urgency. And you're talking about trying to pick the right color. Like, come on, dude. I mean, <laughs> let's be real here. Okay. If we're in that situation, let's say in real life, and our mentor is chasing, like, uh, whatever, and we have three or four Lamborghinis that we can pick from, you're looking at the colors, too. Yeah, even though I got to save my mentor late, I like that black Lamborghini, though. Let's say black, black's always the move. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> all right, do I want the red one or the black one? Yeah. All right, I'll just take the black one. Let's go. At least oh, give yeah. me 10 seconds to decide. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I, I, I totally um, agree with you on that one. Like, the, the, the uh, speeder from Anakin's Chase, that was a really <laughs> good one. I really like that one a lot. Um, for me, though, I feel like, man, the, the whole ground speeder one is is tough because there's a lot of good ground vehicles in Star Wars in terms of speeders. Um, but I would say probably for me, the most, um, probably the most, I don't know, I would probably say the most, um, the one I like the best, I would say, I guess would have to be the classic land speeder from a new hope like that to me like was Mm. the first introduction to like speeders in general um obviously i mean it was the first like really speeder shown i believe right but i mean you have that 
but also like it has like a special connection because you know watching as we all know watching all the behind the behind the scenes stuff about how they did those shots and everything like just seeing how they created um you know how they made it look like it was hovering like for parts of it like they smudge like vaseline on the on the lens and everything to like you know basically make the bottom look like it's like smudged out mm-hmm. so that you know you couldn't see the tires of like the vehicle that was actually like you know um they were driving around and so that was really cool so like that that for me would probably be my favorite like ground type speeder in star wars would be the land speeder or luke's land speeder i guess yeah i mean you can't go wrong that's the first speeder we ever seen star wars i would imagine right you're yeah. just like yeah, wondering, I, mean, like, I mean that yeah. yeah and and it also goes back to as well like you know we're always talking legos on here like that was i would say probably my first lego set i can remember like as a kid like the luke land speeder like you know with the you came with him and obi-wan and the droids and like you know that's just a classic time oh yeah let's move into let's move into the walker category I'm going to put this one in the chat because this is very obscure and this is from Star Wars Legends. Now, I haven't seen it in canon yet, but this is called and I did just I've been doing research while we're talking here. This is called an ATPT. It was in the Rogue Squadron video games for the N64. And if I could describe it for those of you that aren't familiar, it's basically an ATST with like an elongated uh, an elongated like Oh yeah, and it's a little shorter, a little stubbier, but I can't tell you how many of these things I destroyed as a kid, man. Flying in those missions and just blowing the hell out of these things, just on the ground, moving around. Like I, man, I need. I as much as I love squadrons, it was all in space, but I want to have another like, just remake Rogue Squadron, make it a lot more arcadey. Mm-hmm. You know, squadrons is very, very much a sim. I want to see a remake of Rogue Squadron, you know, have it come out whenever Patty Jenkins movies come out, drum up a little bit of support, have some synergy before, between the two <clears throat> projects, and bring these things back into canon, because I freaking, these things are a cool design. My my one buddy actually th- had a 3D printed version of this, and he made his own rules for it, and um, one of our, his <laughs> home brewed rules for Star Wars Legion, and I was like going against one of those things that was... That's like, oh my cool. god, dude, you actually That's found the, the idea to, to pr- 3D print this thing. Like, holy crap. Uh, so yeah, I like that one. Runner-up for me would be the ADTP, I think it's called. And that's the Macquarie design of the ATSC that's seen in mm. Star Wars Rebels Season 1 on Lothal. Or like a very, very tall ATSC with like a, a single like mounted blaster. Um, I like that design too, so... I guess you could say I'm a fan of the two-legged walkers. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, those are really good choices. Like you said, the ATPT, like that one was um, that one was such a good one back in the day. <laughs> but for me, yeah, for me, I would say, um, and like you said, you know, especially with vehicles, like, you know, we always talk about like legend stories and adapting them into canon and stuff. But vehicles, there's no excuse. Like, every cool vehicle should be adapted because it's just a vehicle. It's not a story. Like, it's a machine. Like, you know, you should. they should just be putting these things in left and right where, where they can. Um, but for me, when it comes to the walkers, I would say probably, man, that's a tough one. That, it, it would either, it wouldn't be the ATAT or the ADAT just because 
I don't know. I feel like that's that's too easy or too. I don't know. It's just not not my not my thing. But I would say probably the most uh, I'd say favorite one of mine. Man, that's a that is such a tough one. It would either be the clone like AT AT like the like the six oh, later yeah, legged yeah. walker. Mm-hmm. That I would say probably that one. Just because, like, we've seen it in so many iterations and adaptations, like, you know, we saw it in Attack of the Clones, we saw it in, um, you know, like, obviously, different adaptations of it in Revenge of the Sith and Clone Wars and things like that. And, you know, of course, over the years, whether it be in, like, even the Tartakovsky Clone Wars, like, you know, we've seen these different vehicle or these different versions of the clone adapt. And I've always found those to be really, um, really cool. And then, like, on, like, I guess the the bad side of those clone adats, like, I feel like, for me, one of the most iconic shots of them is when the Hailfire droid, like, shoots all of its missiles and they, like, lock in and, like, blow it away in Attack of the Clones. Like, it's just, um, to me, that's such, like, an iconic shot. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, just a really cool vehicle. All right. Yeah, I, I really do dig everything about the ATT. Is that what it is? Oh, yep. Yep, ATT. Oh my gosh. That's what it gets it is. so confusing with these different letters, man. ATPT, ABT, I don't know. But I like how it's a different vehicle. Instead of, you don't got two legs, you don't got four legs, you got six legs, and you're a little lower to the ground. You have a so giant much fun in the classic cannon. Yeah. Yes. And in Star Wars Rebels Season 2, Getting to see like our childhood toys come together with an ATT versus an ATAT in a freaking sandstorm with the yep. Jedi using the force to like steer each other, like that was incredible. Oh man, that was so That's cool. Dope. I know for me, because uh, I don't like this movie, but I like the vehicle from The Last Jedi. I like the Gorilla Walkers. Oh, the ATM 6. Yes, the mega, the like the mega caliber yeah. six. Yeah, yeah, all terrain mega caliber six. I guess that'd be ATM or MC six. Yeah, um, those things are or, cool. or, or ATMGs or ATM six or something like that. Yeah, but um, no, I've always I like that look. I like the gorilla walkers. I mean, I think overall looking at it, an actual gorilla, they're very powerful in stature. Yeah, even though they're on their hind legs using their arms as walking you know uh uh tools those things are pretty badass and seeing how they adapted that excuse me into a vehicle that's mechanical it still feels very threatening and i love how like it looked and how it felt it felt and it moves fluidly so i love that particular vehicle that's become probably my favorite walker thus far yeah, and, and they have different functions, too. Like, the back of them, I don't think we've seen them used, but they had, like, a bunch of these, like, deployable mines mm-hmm. that were on the back that could, like, if I had the cross-section book where it explains, like, they fall off the back and they could just, like, lay like, these like, big-ass explosives. And it was cool because we get to see regular AT-ATs next to them, and they are dwarfed by this effing thing, and it's huge. Mm-hmm. And the First Order was able to take what the Empire used with the AT-ATs and bump it up a notch because there's no way a tow cable can take out ATM-6 because the way their legs are designed, it's impossible for that to be effective, the way right. their like, legs move and all. So it's pretty cool where we see like an evolution of a design. That's where, where Star Wars is really great with the concept art 
going from the prequel era to the original trilogy era to the sequel era and seeing how things evolve over time based off of history and how history really plays a factor in how the designs change over time. Agreed. All right, I guess we'll just go for, like, a regular Starfighter now. Good old Starfighter. Um, let me think, because I did not actually write a list. I'm just doing this off the top right now, and there's so many ships to choose from. It's, this is the I hardest would... category right now, probably, to think about. If you want to go first, I... to give me more time to think, then go, go yeah. by all means. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll go. Um, I would say, all right, so, like, Starfighter, we'll, we'll just kind of, like, classified this as more like say smaller ship smaller ish ships like not like the big ships like yeah um, not a freighter we'll have our own not, our own category freighter, for not, freighters not, like not the Millennium falcon and yeah, stuff like that yeah yeah i would say so like more of these um like smaller type of sh i guess you would say planetary ships almost um would ha for me would have to be the clone gunship like i feel like that is like the Ooh. perfect ship like it's it's such a great great ship like because, of course, like, the iconic shots with it from um, Attack of the Clones, like, everybody, like, you know, seeing that in theaters, like, was one of the coolest shots, in my opinion, from that movie. And, uh, you know, it's just one of the uh, most interesting ships just because, you know, you can carry your troops there. You can have multiple troops, like, in the pilots and in the gunner seats and then, yep. you know, carrying Jedi I, and, like, mm -hmm. a lot. A lot of that stuff, like, for me with the clone gunships, like, goes back to, like, playing those old Battlefront games, like... You know, because, like, when you're playing four-player, you know, you could load up four people into the gunship and go. Oh, really? Or, like, you know, yeah, on the old, on the old like, say, even Star Wars Battlefront 1, you could do four-player. And you could, you know, have one person as the pilot. You know, you just press Y or, or a triangle on PlayStation. You know, like, the first person presses uh, Y to go into the pilot seat. Second person is the second gunner, third gunner. And then the fourth person is literally just a clone trooper who's standing up, like, you know, holding on um, inside the passenger thing. It's like it's like uh, for me, like the clone gunship has a special connection because of that, like playing those old games with my buddies. And then even to um, like Republic Commando, because like in that game, you know, okay. you travel around a lot in that game with, uh -huh. with the clone gunships. And then, of course, like to me, one of the most um, or like the best used clone gunship for me was like from the Tartakovsky Clone Wars series when, you know, they're going in with that like painted up clone gunship to, like, oh shoot yeah at general greens that whole sequence is so good and um yes yeah, so, like that's why i would say the clone gunship is like my favorite like small ish type of uh ship i would say all right all right um talking about starfighter i'll go now i i, I got an idea um i put the bad guys on this one tie defender yeah, now, TIE Defender, one. really cool design because they are the answer to the X-Wing on the Empire side. Um, I think they were in the Thrawn Trilogy, right? Were they in the yes. Thrawn Trilogy? Yep. Well, no, they brought them in the uh, Yeah, uh, can. I'm just trying to think of, like, Legends. Were they first... Were they in the original Thrawn Trilogy? Maybe, maybe yeah, I, not. I, I believe they were. Because I think that's why they... I mean, that's why they pulled them into... The rebel show was yeah. because of, was was yeah that. yeah because what what the backstory is in, in in that show is that we have tie defenders that are made by Thrawn, and then it ends up that the Death Star project from Tarkin would be more valuable, 
but in retrospect, the Empire would have still been in command if they would have just made fleets of these things because they had shields, which TIE Fighters never had, plus they had hyperdrives. So those two additional features would make them superior to like any X-Wing or anything that like the Rebels could make fighter-wise. So they, they, they're cool. I just like love the design of like the three wings. Like It just looks very ag aggressive um, with the pointed rings and... Just the backstory of it all, hovering around Thrawn, hovering around that post-Return of the Jedi stuff when it first came out. Like, that that stuff really entices me, and it just shows, like, the ingenu ingenuity and the inventiveness of the of the Empire to just keep making implementations from the regular TIE to the TIE Bomber to the TIE Interceptor, now to the TIE Defender. And we have so many other iterations, the TIE Bruiser, the TIE... Uh, striker in Rogue One that's only planetary, you know, there's, and then, you know, the, the First Order has their whole line of TIE fighters, but I think out of all of them, the TIE Defender is still reigning supreme. It's pretty cool, because, like, currently in the canon, you'll see TIE Defenders pop up every now and again. Like, for instance, there was a, I don't, I forget the name, a Dark Squad, yeah, I think it was called Dark Squadron that appeared with Violet Valence in between um, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. There's, there's a thing there. Um, in the post-Return of the Jedi story, Shadow of, Shadow of the Sith, there is a um, acolyte of the Beyond who somehow got her hands on a TIE Defender and is going up against Luke with it. So that was a really cool moment in, in, in that book. So, like, it's neat. Yes, they're discontinued, but they, people will still find ways of tracking them down and using them, and they are a force to be reckoned with. What about you, Milton? Have you thought of any Starfighters... Yeah, uh, I had a couple, but the one that okay. I can think of, I'm just going to give you the one, because that's one I really kind of fell in love with recently, <clears throat> over the last couple of years. Uh, again, from a movie I don't like, the Thai Silencer. Uh, oh! Yeah. I've always, I like how it looks. I like I like the way he flies it. You know, if, if, if I had to pick between two ships, it'd be between him or Anakin's um, Jedi uh, fighter. Mm -hmm. Because of, because of how they fly their ships mainly and how how they look when they fly gr aggressively, but with the tie silencer, just how he does that spin and yeah. how he moves and twirls and shoots, I'm like, oh, I can see myself having one of those bad boys. Yeah, and it was one of those dawning moments on me. It was like, this is literally the grandson of Anakin right here, mm -hmm. and the son of Solo. Like these two great pilots, the bloodline of pilots in his blood. Is so strong. You see it there, showcased. I wish we could see more right. of Kylo Ren flying his ships around. Um, well, we, we uh, get that in the Rise of Skywalker because he he's fighting. He's flying through that abyss. Oh yeah, the, and then Exegol. that's that's the uh, the Tie Whisper. I always get those confused. Yeah. You have the Tie Silencer and the Tie Whisper. I think the Silencer is right. from Last Jedi. Whisper is from yeah. So yeah, lots of cool Tie implementation. The First Order knows how to make a good fighter. That's for sure. They have the Tie daggers that we see briefly in in, in Rise of Skywalker as well. But um, yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good way you put it, Milton. It's like, yeah, it's it's cool to see the design just as a flat image. But what what adds a lot of credence and credibility to it mm -hmm. is to see it in action and yep. to see how the pilot is able to maneuver the ship. And when you see it doing like those corkscrews. Firing that missile, it's like holy crap! That thing looks it's, awesome. It's crazy, yeah. But well, anyways, what we were saying, Milton, off your um point, like with like the Tie Whisperer and like Anakin Starfighter, like to me, um, 
you know, with Anakin Starfighter, it's like one of definitely one of the most underrated starfighters and just ships in general, just because it, you know, as you mentioned, it's like so agile. You know, it's obviously great in combat, like we saw at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, which unfortunately those ships get destroyed. I would just have, I would have loved to see more of um, Anakin's uh, starfighter uh, in that movie, or I mean, just in general, like in combat and whatnot, because it's just a, it's just a great ship overall. Totally agree with you. Love it. Heck yeah, heck yeah. So let's get into our favorite freighter type ships. We're talking about things like the Ghost or Millennium Falcon. Like I'll Travel have... the Galaxy, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'll throw this one over to Milton first if you have any ideas. I think this is considered a freighter. I think I think it is. I think because I like this movie so much and I liked how badass the ship they used it for was the Hammerhead Corvette or Corvette Hammerhead or something. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, yeah. that considered consider a freighter? I'll give it to yeah. you. Yeah, because it, it wasn't huge. Like, it, yeah. it wasn't like the Radis or like, you know, the other ones. Like, that ship was fine. I mean, it pushed a freaking Star Destroyer <laughs> into a shield gate. Uh-huh. Like, how dope was that? And obviously, Admiral Radis, he probably was like my favorite character in that whole movie. Um, but he's like, give me a hammerhead Corvette. And I'm like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, like, this is pretty dope. So. I liked how they used it. And did you notice, honestly, for like three straight movies, they were just using ships to like run in the ships. Just saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I just I just loved how like that ship utilized the way it was built to destroy a shield gate to a planet. So if that's considered a freighter, I'm loving it. Obviously, we have our obvious picks here, but that one stands out to me for sure. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the ship that you guys all know I love, and that's the YT-2400. That is uh, another ship from Shadows of the Empire, if you get mm-hmm. the whole pattern that's going on here. Dash Rendar ship that he flies with uh, his one buddy droid, which I should know, and it's escaping me. I want to say it's 4LOM, but I know that's that's the bounty hunter. I'm shocked you didn't go with, like, the Ebon Hawk. It was up there. It was up there. I know the, the good old ship of Revan from Knights of the Republic, but... I think it's just all the years I played with the toy of, of the YT-2400 Outrider that just made me fall in love because the toy would, like, it did this crazy thing, the Hasbro toy, where it actually, like, turned into, like, a B-Wing. Where it wasn't canonical. Like, this doesn't happen in the game, but, like, the side compartment cockpit, like, they have it on the, on the Millennium Falcon, would, like, go upward and, like, the hull would stay and, like, that part would go and, like, the turret on the side would, like, go underneath and it would just be like that. Um, so that was, that was interesting. And then of course, in Lego star Wars, you could actually fly those ships. So of course I always have that as my default ship flying around in that. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's, I mean, those are both, you know, really good choices. Um, like, I I mean, of course, everyone on on the podcast and all our listeners knew you were going to pick Dash's ship just because like, it's just such a great ship. And, you know, for any, um, hardcore star Wars fans and, Anybody that's like in our age range, like in their 20s and 30s, you know, had definitely had played the Shadows of the Empire game. And like that game is, I mean, that ship is still making like impacts to this day in Star Wars fandom because, like you mentioned, Chris, what a um, celebration you had people like like chanting about like Dash Rendar, like cheering for Dash Rendar yeah. or something for like the books. Like, yeah. like that. Yeah, like that, like, you know, that's that's still having a big impact on people um, to this day. And that ship is a big part of it. 
<laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd say for my for my uh, like freighter class ship, you know, it'd be easy to say the Millennium Falcon just because like that's just like the default. That's like the open dunk in the NBA. Like that's an easy one. But to me, I would say my favorite, especially thanks to the Mandalorian series, by far has to be the Slave One, because like that ship before. Before we saw Mando, like, you know, it kind of looked like the Slave One was a really tiny, like, tiny, tiny ship, like, compressed ship on the inside, like, didn't have much room. And then when you see Mando, it's like, holy smokes, like, they have, like, a full-blown, almost, like, not mess hall, but almost like a little mess hall coffee area in there, like, you know? Yeah. So, like, it's a nice, it's like, because, uh... You know, you you have Boba Fett and then like talking about like going up to the observation deck or whatever in the um in the ship. So like that ship's a lot bigger than what it seems. And like to me that that's such a cool ship, like in terms of like the way it flies and then like for how roomy it is actually on the inside and just like it's of course functionality of like stealth and weaponry and everything else. Like to me that that for sure got solidified being my favorite like freighter class ship. Um, due to the Mandalorian series, because like the Mando series, one hundred percent made me, made me, um, you know, solidify that as my favorite ship for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What about you, Milton? I think I already mentioned the Corvette, right? Oh wait, oh, the, yeah, Corvette, the Corvette, the Corvette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Corvette. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, no, the Slave One uh, again, another toy that I played endlessly with. I had the Lego. I have like the regular, like action figure variants you could put in there. But yep. yeah, I think Book of Boba Fett really opened up the door because we're like, hey, it looks kind of small, and they actually show you like several scenes. It, it's neat to see, to see that perspective. Right. All right, this oh, is our yeah. final one, our cruiser design. So our bigger ships, like you would expect from the Mon Calamari mm. cruisers to the Star Destroyer variants. I'll start this one off. This is gonna be very obscure, very very obscure. You might have not even heard of it. It's called a Starhawk. Have either of you heard of it? No. What's air is it from? Starhawk is a brand new creation in Star Wars. It was created in the Aftermath books in Empire's End, the Battle of Jakku. The New Republic had basically forged three Star Destroyers into like one gigantic battleship that uses tractor beams to basically pull ships down to orbit into a planet to destroy them. It's really cool. And they actually made a a Star Wars X-Wing miniature of it. Or Armada. Star Wars Armada miniature of it. Uh, but yeah, it definitely looks like it's a Star Destroyer-esque um, from the, the hull planning because it's pretty cool. Yeah, they've literally, after the Battle of Endor, they were just starting to put together different... Um, battle cruisers to just completely decimate the empire and i think these things are so massive they're they're smaller than a super star destroyer but they're much larger than an imperial star destroyer and there's only three of them i think made at that time of the battle of jakku Um, but they are pretty cool in how they actually function with the with the tractor beams being so strong to literally like move ships around that are size of a star destroyer so that's mine. That one's in Aftermath and also in Star Wars Squadrons, which you can now play, Ben, because you now have Game Pass. So you oh, should yeah. Play it. Good call. You'll Good call. actually have missions involving getting to, like, escort the Starhawks. And, like, the back half of the game 
is all about the Starhawks and like protecting their production and like uh, General Harrison Dula is like the one in charge of the whole um, creation of the project and everything. Yeah, it, it really gets in deep with that. So that's going to be mine. Whoever wants to go next on this. I think for me, oh, um, yeah, I'm going with the villain again here. <laughs> um, I've always liked the uh, the dreadnought Snoke ship. Like, is that the Equalizer or Finalizer? Oh, uh, Supremacy. Supremacy, yeah. Supremacy. I've always liked that. Like, I've always liked the, the Star Destroyers. I ain't gonna lie. Like, like they're so fire. Like, I mean, you can live on those bad boys, seriously. Mm. Um, and so, like, I would take Snoke's uh, ship because it's it's dope. And we haven't seen that model at the time. No. You know how how it looked. I mean, it was two, three times the size as a regular Super Star Destroyer. So, yeah, it, Super Star Destroyer. I'm so, pretty like, yeah. sure this is how big it was. I'm pretty sure like one of the books I read or something. It had a, a Star Destroyer Star Destroyer production facility. Yeah. In that effing ship, like that's how big it was, and then not just any Star Destroyers. Like I'm talking about the big First Order Star Destroyers, which were like three times the size of regular. They that those were being created in a production facility somewhere in, in that ship. It was, and I like the design how it's almost like, a stealth bomber where it's not built yes. out like, forward. It's built out from the side, so it's very very wide. So up until that point, everything is very triangular, like in shape, right? But that that's mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. No, yeah. but yeah, I like that design. I mean, obviously, I like how that that scene played out with. The hyperspeed being weaponized, you know, which is okay. So but what I, I love, yeah. but I, I love the way how it looked. Yeah, what I will say is that most of these ships are from the Last Jedi, so at least I could say I that there's been something that you actually like about the movie. <laughs> no, no, I and here's the thing, and this is why I tell people like I am very objective as a Star Wars fan. Like I take things away from the movies. Like I like the last. Yeah, you don't uh, like blindly the, hate it. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the Luke Kylo interaction at the end. Yeah, spoiler. Uh, I like I like the first ten minutes of that movie because they're being wiped out, and then I like the some of the ships. Like that's it. Like I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest here. I mean, and, yeah. oh, I, I like I like the I like Luke. Like I like seeing Luke Skywalker when he's on screen because it's Luke, and like when he talks about Palpatine or well, Sidious. So that's cool, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a good um, choice there. Like, um, the supremacy is a really good ship. The, um, you know, like you said, because it's such a big model of a star destroyer, basically, or it's three times as big. Like, that's that's crazy even to imagine that. Um, and then, like for me, I'd say with the ships, like it's hard to say because you have this, you have the star destroyers, you have um, other big ships. Like the, I feel like the Trade Federation ships are underrated um, from Phantom Menace. I think those are pretty cool looking ships having like a big hangar bay, um, you know, the way they, uh, the way they do. But I would say I'm going to have to lean toward the villains as well on this one. And this is kind of, kind of cheating, kind of, I mean, I guess technically it is a ship because it did get transported somewhere, but I would say for me, it would have to be the Death Star. Um, <laughs> just because, just because it's such a um, icon in like, to me, like, an iconic part of my Star Wars fandom because, you know, just the idea of something being, like, the size of, like, a moon or a planet and, you know, having all those capabilities, especially 
um, for anybody that hasn't read it in the old uh, Legends books, you had the Death Star book. And, you mm. know, the cool thing with that book, I think you would really enjoy it, Chris. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if you um, have read it before Milton or listened to it, but like basically it's really cool because you have this story. It, it's kind of like actually it's kind of like Galen Erso. You kind of have the story of this like engineer who's working on the Death Star and it's like right before the whole events of A New Hope. And it's cool because like, you know, you you follow him through this his whole like like pretty much daily life of living there and stuff. And it's cool because you're getting like these ancillary things in that book. Mm. Like you have, um, so for example, you have like, like this, the lead character, like, you know, he's witnessing, like, you know, he's inside the Death Star witnessing, like he, um, right before, you know, right as the book's ending. Cause of mm -hmm. course, you know, everyone, everyone dies, spoiler, but, um, you know, as the book's ending, you know, you have him like looking out like a viewport thing and he sees like Hans, you know, uh, the YT-1300, like, fly by, and, like, you know, oh. all this, like, you have these, like, little ancillary connections to A New Hope, like, so you're getting, like, kind of, like, A New Hope, it's kind of like your certain point of view New Hope yeah, book, sounds basically, like, like you, you know, it's, it's that sort of deal, but you, you literally follow this guy's, like, journey from, like, you know, a, a couple of years or so before A New Hope, like, leading into that on the Death Star, and that's kind of, like, to me, like, added more to the Death Star for me, because, like, you actually are, like, you know, realizing like the Death Star is literally basically a planet. And then, you know, taking away from say like the Death Star 2, um, I mean, who wouldn't want, like we talked about it last week with Return of the Jedi, like who wouldn't want to be, like all, all these caveats to me wanting the Death Star, you know, I would have to be the person in charge because I'd want to be the one sitting in like the Emperor's throne room in that chair, like because who would not want that in your ship? Like just to sit there and chill and be like, yeah, this is, this is mine right here. Like, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I feel like, um, the death star is a really great underrated ship because it's, it's a planet basically. But yeah, I mean, and if I was in charge of it, it would be, you know, getting more shielded so people couldn't blow it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think it's an underrated ship for that. Um, and the fact that, you know, it houses like millions of people, yeah, I I always think back to a video game back in the '90s called Empire at War. It might have been yep. early 2000s, and if you played as the Empire, it was literally something you could do was like transport the Death Star to just like decimate an entire planet. Yep. <laughs> and if you like waited long enough, uh, however so many turns, because what I liked about that game was they had ground assaults, and then they had like space battles, so you can actually interact with both. And I gotta check my Steam library because I think I might even have that game on Steam now. I gotta check it out. But yeah, so yeah, I mean that's the ultimate vehicle. I mean it's not an installation. The Death Star does move, so technically yep. that counts. <laughs> hey, hey, gotta be technical here. Hey, you know we can carry with the Death Star. You can carry all these smaller ships like Anakin Starfighter and you know the ships we've mentioned tonight, Boba Fett, Slave One, all these different things. We can just um, we can just carry them right with my Death Star. There you go. There you go. So that is going to do it for our discussion on ships and vehicles in Star Wars. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, getting into next week uh, looks like another normal week unless they drop some massive news on us. So we will be back same time, same place on Friday at around 9 o'clock Eastern time. Um, you can also listen to us. New episodes go out on Monday if you just want to listen to us. And we do want you guys to listen to the podcast, share it to your friends, let everybody know 
that if you're a Star Wars fan um, in your life that wants to listen to Star Wars, Outer Rim Transmission is your place to go. Um, we also have T-shirts on teespring.com. Search Outer Rim Transmission as well. Ben, I think uh, I already know the answer to what you're going to be up to this week, but I will leave it to you to just <laughs> be clear about that with the audience here. Yeah, I mean, pretty much for me, the uh, foreseeable future is probably going to be playing a lot of Madden since that just came out. And then other than that, I'm going to be, you know, of course, uh, lifting weights and um, being active, continuing to diet. Um, that's going decently. But uh yeah, just kind of the typical fitness, sports, getting ready for the NFL season in a few weeks. Because of all things, so D23 weekend, that Thursday night is NFL kickoff as well, the 8th. Um, so, like, you have all of these things coming up. So it's, it's definitely an exciting time for Star Wars fans as well as sports fans. And uh, for me, I'll be talking about all of that sort of stuff on my social media. You can find me on Twitter, at RealBenMaynard, and Instagram, at RealBenMaynard, there as well. There you go. What about you, Milton? Um, this weekend I am celebrating my sister's twenty first birthday tomorrow evening, so we'll be doing that as a family. Uh other than that, I'll just be doing my normal thing, just uh working out in the morning, probably work on my attic, getting that renovated, still starting that little small project. Oh. Um I just had my first fantasy football draft last night. I'm scheduled to have another couple that next couple weekends. Uh, because I know one of the Fridays coming up in September, I won't be here because of fantasy football. So that's ramping up because of football, as you, as you guys know. So, But, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at MiltonWeber7 or on Instagram at Milton7Weber. There you go. And as I said off the top, I have my review for this Princess and the Scoundrel novel uh, written by Beth Revis. That will be on the channel probably tomorrow if you're watching this live on Friday. Um, and I will just be putting up my usual comic book reviews in the meantime and painting more miniatures. Uh, maybe I should get back in the habit of posting more pictures because I've been doing a lot of work on that end, uh, which is why I'm still not through Lego Star Wars because so much painting and putting those things together is very time um, intensive there. Uh, so anyway, we hope that you can join us next week for another episode of Outer Rim Transmission. We'll go live around 9 o'clock Eastern on Friday night. For Milton, for Ben, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, this was Outer Rim Transmission number 71. Signing off for tonight, be well, may the force be with you, and transmission.